Hello, Tome Show listeners. This is Sam Dillon, your Tome Editor and the DM of the D&D Brief Podcast. D&D Brief is now going to be hosted on the Tome Show Network. To find back episodes, search under the Actual Play tab at thetomeshow.com. As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to D&D Brief episode number 13. 13. Lucky, lucky 13. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I am DM Samuel, and I am here with my awesome players, Nina. Hi. Um, I play Emeron Onestra, who is a human storm cleric. And David. Uh, hi, I play Axley Tillingquest, uh, who is a uh, slightly irate <laughs> halfling bard from <laughs> having his, his artifact thrown into the mud <laughs> and, <laughs> and trying to keep a couple of uh, interrogatable suspects alive that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> and Hikaru. Hi, I'm Karu, and I am playing Marcel Duran, a... Uh, gender fluid Lutrinian storm sorcerer who has no idea what Axley's problem is. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and Matthew. Uh, I'm playing Konos Lendath, a sea elf, uh, great old one warlock, and now aspiring fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who wants to do a recap? been a long time it has you say that every time though (laughs) (laughs) but it's always true (laughs) it is uh yeah so i think we started um in kind of like the basement area of like the mud temple is that where we started last time um but we found the spinning lens type thing uh-huh. um, and accidentally spoke the phrase and it showed <laughs> us yeah was not intentional um, it showed us what we believe to be Lurlac is that who that was um, but I, they were, I think it was more we were on separate sides of the basement we were like hey so this thing says Lurlac awaits <laughs> Somehow it's a that... miscommunication. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was seemingly leading a huge army of uh, aquatic creatures, um, mostly looking not alive the second time we saw the image. Um, and then we started exploring a little bit more and we slid braziers into place and opened up a door. Uh, that led even farther down. Um, and we found blue goblins um, doing some kind of ritual um, with a Hakka person slowly turning into a crab on the altar. And behind them, the gate spell um, starting to make some very concerning noises behind him. But uh, Konos quickly put a stop to that, luckily, and we ended up fighting them, plus a bunch of mud things, and then I think we killed all of the goblins except for the one that um, actually had charmed, so I think they're still writing on the wall. 
right now they're cowering in the corner because oh, that's right. uh, yeah. Marcel's sword was running around the room stabbing things. Um, and the one goblin that was trapped in Axley's cage um, got pushed into the... Boiling mud. Boiling mud, yes. And the last that you saw of the big mud creature was... Oh, yeah. That it went into mm. one of the walls. And vanished and, never, and didn't come back. And has not come back at this point. Uh, and there is... but But the gate is closed... And the words that are on the wall are no longer being lit up because the goblin is no longer chanting. And the haka that is on the altar is still on the altar struggling. And then we moved to try and... I think last stream was the stream we got cut short. Yeah, we. Uh, my power went out. And it re- <laughs> right. or or my computer restarted or some something weird happened. So yeah. we cut it short a little bit, so the episode ended a little bit abruptly. Um, so you didn't actually take any actions after the after the goblin got the trapped goblin got pushed into the bubbling pool of mud and the other mud creature went into the wall. That's when we stopped. So we didn't really resolve. Uh, the haka on the altar. We didn't resolve yeah. the living goblin. Um, I believe the altar is surrounded by like a relatively large pool of boiling mud. Yeah, the altar is actually sitting on posts that are coming out of the mud. Oh, good. Um, so it's it's pretty much in the middle of the boiling mud pool. Well, as one of you seafaring folk good with knots, can you help me sub- subdue this guy before he comes to his senses uh sure uh or do you want me to try to fish the guy out that i that i inadvertently knocked into the mud well that's not going anywhere let's <laughs> let's take care of this guy first so we don't have to fight another enemy all right are we still on initiative at this point or no uh no you're out of initiative okay then i'll help uh actually truss up the one goblin who's left okay uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure my weapon is just dancing back towards me, so I'm just going to grab it and put it away. Okay. Okay. Or maybe not put it away and see if I can free the haka on the table. Is the table, like, in the center of the boiling mud? Like, can, or can it be reached? It's, it's the altar that the haka is laying on is literally sitting on four posts that are rising out of the mud. So these enormous, like, wooden posts rising out of the boiling mud about so getting, a foot and a half. So we'd have to kind of, like, jump onto the altar itself because there's yeah. no floor around it. Right, sort of. I mean, it, it's kind of on a, a dais, so that the actual altar itself is not actu- is not technically sitting on the four giant uh logs that are basically sticking okay. up out of the ground but so it has like a lip around it has it. a little a small lip yeah it's kind of a small dais with a little step um but it is def- definitely looks hard to deal with how how much of a jump is it from the edge <laughs> that is a good question let me find out um i think so. there's like corners where you could it's kind of like less than five feet. Yeah, yeah. It, it 
probably the largest jump is five to six feet. Okay. And it's the it's the southeast corner. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, Matt. I'm sorry. Yeah, like the, the most like the altar is like not dead center. It's kind of more towards the back of it. Right. It was closer to the portal. Mm-hmm. Right, the gate that was open. Yeah. Okay. So I could jump over and uh, start trying to untie the or cut the the haka loose. Is he roped down or is it chains? It's chains. Okay. I put my sword away. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone good with um, chains? Cat, please. Um, I mean, I can try and break them. I have a decent strength, but if we're talking lockpicking now. That's better than I can say. Um, Wait, are there other shackles that are locked? Yeah, it's it's manacled. His, his two arms are manacled. One each to to hold them out to their sides, and their remember his his uh, hands and the lower arms are crab claws, and his uh, feet around his ankles are manacles, holding him down. And then there are a couple of chains around his torso. I'm gonna jump over anyways. Okay, so at least I can talk to this person. Do you want to give me an athletics check or? Yeah, an athletics check, I suppose. Okay. That's better than athletics. I was a little worried. Oh, that's good. Um, unnatural 20. <laughs> okay. Uh, Imarin jumps over and does a very graceful leap onto... A little uncharacteristic. The... <laughs> yeah. Why can't you do that when the pressure's on? Uh, <laughs> she ends it with a little plie. <laughs> Um, is the Haka conscious? Yes, and struggling and obviously afraid. Does it look like they're slowly like being transformed, like it's continuing kind of like Lucanius, or can I tell? Uh you can roll me a medicine check. Eighteen. Um, it looks like it was a very rapid um, transformation from okay. whatever, you know. You're assuming this haka was typical haka. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this was a very... In other words, it seems like this transformation only started happening when that gate was open. Got it. It's very fresh, like the... The claw is more like a the 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 actual shell part of the claw. The chitinous exoskeleton part is pretty soft. Okay, but not n- not soft and mushy like the crabs that you all fought all, all those times that were sort of mealy and mushy and gross. Um, yeah. This is more like it just hasn't finished forming yet. Got it. Um. But you stop now that the gate is shut. It looks like it. Okay. I am um, just kind of non-threateningly um, just be like, we're here to help, I promise. Um, we stopped whatever was happening to you, I think. Um, we're going to try and get you out of here. And what language are you speaking? Speaking common. Yeah, he doesn't 
I mean, he, he could see that you're talking to him, but he doesn't make any kind of reply. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to start fidgeting with the chains to see if I can see what kind of locking mechanism, if there's anything, if there's any weak points. Um, what's everyone else doing at this time? Yeah. Have we finished tying up uh, the charmed one? Yeah, that was pretty quick. He's very compliant. He's like, oh, you want me to turn my turn around and put my hands? Okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, then, yeah, I'm on fishing de- detail at this point. Okay. Like, just taking my trident, kind of poking around, poking around in the mud where I snocked the goblin and to see if I can try to grab something and pull it out. Um, you feel lumpy stuff in there, but the it uh, feels pretty deep, too. You You might be able to, like, f- use your trident like a like almost like a fork or a spatula and try to lift something out yeah Um, yeah, i'll I'll, I'll try that you want to try that okay uh why don't you please give me a go ahead and give me an athletics check okay six how much 26 okay uh you with some difficulty fish out something uh, and you sort of put it off to the, off on the shore, so to speak, on the on the bank of the pool. And hey, actually, I caught one. It's completely covered with goopy mud. All right. I shout over, "Hey, look for a key on that thing, would you?" Okay. A key. See if that <laughs> goblin had a key on it. Uh. <laughs> Is it is it still, still the goblin inside? You have no idea what it even is. It just looks like a big clump of mud. Oh, great! <laughs> Can I try to start just brushing it off? Uh, it's very hot. Ooh, okay. Ow! Ow! Uh. <laughs> is there enough water in the mud to use shape water on it? It's what about that? what about you... water in your handle of your your sword or whatever it was? Do you have any extra water? Rinse it off. I could remember the the mud pool is like the consistency of sort of slightly watery concrete. I so would I don't know if this is beyond the scope of the spell, but would shape water be able to extract the water from the mud to like dry it, hmm. make it easier to like crack it, it off? I can also create water the ring that I have. I can expend a slot to create water. I can just take some from my water skin. I drop it's a there. cantrip, so I never know exactly how powerful it can be. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those DM's discretion. Yeah. Let me let me think about this for a second. Um, uh, so what exactly do you want to do? You want to extract the water so that it's just left with like dry mud that would be easier to clean off than mud. It's either that or I could freeze the water to counteract the fact that it's boiling hot. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those are listed as things I can do with shape water, but it like it says you choose an area of water that you can see. So I'm not sure if like water made into mud counts as an area of water or not. I think that's where the DM call comes in. I mean, is the thing that comes out of the, the pit roughly about the right size? <laughs> um... Yeah, 
roughly, I've just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide on the ease of doing this. I think you could probably cause the water to leave a relatively small, because it says something about like in a, in, within a five foot, it fits within a five foot square or something, right? Yeah, five foot cube. Okay. Uh, I think you can probably cause the water to flow out of the mud and leave the dirt particles behind. I think I'll allow that. Okay. And then can I also, to kind of help with that, um, I've got prestidigitation, which says, which says, among other things, you can, you can chill, warm, or flavor up to one cubic foot of non-living material for one hour. So I can maybe just try that and just cool spots of it off while, while, while Marcel's uh, moving, the raw, moving the water off of it as well. Okay. I'll allow that as well. You basically, so the water starts moving away and you start cooling everything and as the water sort of comes out, you see that the, the, the muddy portions left behind uh, do not form the shape of a humanoid. Yeah. It's formed more like a crab. Ew. Okay, well, that's <laughs> not what I was Sorry, like for. a what? A crab. Oh. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Normal crab size or big crab or uh, large crab. Okay. I would say small size, not humongous. Um, yeah. Well, all right. Sorry. Actually, I guess that might be one for the pot, but I know that's what you know, not what you're looking for. <laughs> I can I can keep trying. Are we in? I wouldn't eat. It's was prob- yeah. It was probably a haka. I just glanced at the hog on the table. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah I, I'd like it. I'd like my cave back if you can find it. Is there Kona, a way? Konos realizes what Marcel is saying, throws up on his mouth a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, um, and then goes back to fishing. <laughs> um. Uh, you can. Uh, you can. So, I guess the question is. How long are you going to fish things out of here? How, like, how long will you attempt this? Maybe five minutes or so. I mean, is there anything anybody else needs to do in this room? While they're fishing, I'm, I am going to try and break the shackles. I'm going to take my mace out and see if I can aim it at the very base of any of the shackles and see if okay. I can break them. Okay. Uh, by hitting it or by trying to invoke the power of Goros? Or what, what are you... Um, I think I'm just going to hit it. Okay. I'm going to see if I can... Yeah. Konos, are you watching this? Um, I'm probably mostly focused on the mud and trying to extricate things. But if something, like, unusual catches my eye, I might I might look at it. Okay. Um, Imran, you want to give me a um, attack roll? I would... Um, so you hit it and it just kind of goes ching and does not break. Uh, I think it's easier to break the chains free from the table where they're attached. I think that's what shows how. Yeah, that's, but that, so the, um, then the coral where you hit starts to drip a red substance that looks quite a bit like blood. 
Well, that's horrifying. I don't like that. Do I see that? Uh, you felt that hit. Ah, mm, ow. And you take three, that? three points of damage. Oof. Oh, crap. That's bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, I saw that I heard the ting and I was like, hey, maybe I can frostbite it and then you can hit it. And then he goes, ow. And I'm like, or maybe not. <laughs> okay, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sucks. Ow, um, please don't, ouch, please, please don't do that again. Um, <laughs> noted. How are you connected to the altar? I, I didn't even know I was until that just happened. <laughs> The altar is made of uh, interesting blue and purple coral. Oh, well, maybe there's a connection between that and the piece I've got. Okay, either way, don't care. Careful, don't hit that thing again. Okay, sorry. It's all right. We didn't know. Um, so, so it's a living piece of coral in the mud down here. That's very strange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Konos, you want to roll me a will save? Wisdom save? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, what I say will save? Yeah, 21. I'm in a different edition, apparently. <laughs> no problem. Someone's played too much fourth edition. Yeah. Okay. Imarin, what are you going to do next? Not hit it. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's fair. Um. I yell over to everyone. I don't think there's anything else I can do besides physically break it. We're either going to have to find a key or pick the lock. Uh, how many have- charges does my chime of opening have? How, how does that work? Can you only use it a certain number of times in a day? Or um, You do not attune to that item, so you have no idea if it will work again or not. I don't attune to it? What, what do you mean? So uh, magic items come in sort of two basic types they come in a type that just sort of has magical properties that are useful and they may or may not have a certain set number of times they can be used per day or per their entire lifespan and then there are weapons and other items usually wondrous items that have to be attuned to that is you have to actually spend a lot of time with the item and then you learn all of its properties including how many charges it has so for example your sword that you have, you attuned to that. So you know all of its properties, which is why I sent you the email with all of that information. Um, but the the cage thing that you used, you don't attune to that. And the chimes, you don't attune to. Okay. So, so I basically just use it in the dark until it stops working? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Or, or, or you could have... Um, you know, you can have a magic user identify it and try to discern all of its properties. Okay. I wonder, do you think I would have to use it four times for, for four different locks, or would it be just a single use to try to get the guy free? Are you asking me, or are you asking your partners? I... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm putting the general question out there to everybody. I suspect it might be one lock, but... Yeah. Okay, so I have two spells that could work to get the Haka free. One of them, but I don't know if you want to expend higher level magic. But if that's our only options, um, assuming he uh, consents to it, I could use a reduce spell. Mm. Make him smaller so that we can slip him out of the shackles. I say, I feel like that should be 
our second option if the chime doesn't work. I think we should try the chime just to see if it does anything. Well, what worries me about the chime is if I have to use it four times, it kind of defeat the point if I use it once or twice and get two of them open, and then the other ones won't open and it's exhausted. <laughs> well, when we open, you use it to open the door to this room, and there, yeah. I think there were multiple locks on that, and one use opened all of them. Oh. Well, I was going to say, can I discern how many locks there are if there's one central lock? Uh, you can't tell from where you are right now. You couldn't do an investigation check if you want to spend a few minutes more looking. Uh, but you haven't really gone all the way around the altar or anything, right? Because all you did was kind of jump over there and try to yeah. unlock him. I am going to roll. I'm going to see if I can figure this out a little bit more. Investigation, you said? Yes, please. Oh, uh, seven. You can't really tell. It looks like the chains all sort of go to a central place under the altar, but you can't see anything under there. Okay. But I could try to use it once and see if that does the trick. No yeah. guarantees. Uh, you want to jump over here? <laughs> uh, if sure. I, like, hold my hand out and, like... <sighs> get ready to like grab him when he jumps over can i help him um sure yeah you can actually you can do that no problem okay he doesn't even need to roll to do that Perfect. since you're already over there so you're going to strike that chime on something yeah on what Uh, i'll strike it on the chain okay uh you hit the chain And it sends out a pure tone, and that tone reverberates off the walls of the room. And the little goblin that's tied up is trying to, you could see him like trying to cover, he's trying to like put his shoulders up and try to lay his head so that the the sound doesn't reach his ears. Because his hands are tied so he can't cover his ears, but it's pretty obvious that he is trying to get away from the sound. He doesn't like it. Um, The chains start vibrating and unlock. And they they unlock from the bottom of the altar. Uh And the the bottom of the chains sort of come out. And now they're hanging down off of his arms and legs. So the manacle part that was attached to his his wrists and, and ankles didn't come off they're still attached to his body but the the lock where the chain was attached under the altar has now disengaged that's serviceable yeah that's something can i kind of like sit the haka up uh does he look hurt other than the crab limbs I mean, he's in pretty bad shape. He's emaciated. He's okay. he's obviously tired. He has sort of small cuts and bruises on large portions of his body. I'm going to cast a quick cure wounds. Okay. Um, and um, afterwards offer my water skin. Okay. Are you going to do that right now while he's sitting on the altar? Or are you going to move him away? What are you, what's your plan? Um, uh, I would like to move him away, but I'm a little concerned about him making that jump. But maybe if we all help him get over, it would be okay. 
I would okay. like to get away from this altar. Okay. Uh, that's going to require everybody to help. So uh, Konos will have to quit fishing around in the boiling mud. Okay. I'll come over and help assist with this. I'm kind of like pulling all the chains into like one arm. And then like kind of hoisting the haka up in the other. Okay. And then I'm going to... I'm going to try and like toss the chains over if they're long enough so that they're already over there and not weighing him down as much. Okay. Uh, Marcel, what are you doing? Thinking I'm way too small to help with catching someone. (laughs) 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 Uh, I'm just going to watch for now. Okay. Um, Yeah. I think I'm just watching. Keeping an eye on the, the goblin friendo in the back, just in case. But he's still under the charm, isn't he? He is, yeah. Um, so with some trouble, you get the haka off of the altar. Okay. Konos, when you get closer to the altar because you're trying to help them out, you get a very strong pull towards that altar mentally speaking very much like the pull that you got when you found when you found the piece of coral that you have and it has a particular pull that wants you to go in a certain direction it's very much like that okay all right once we have the hook safely across i'm gonna say hey let me hop over there i want to take a look at something and i'll try to Jump over. Okay. Um, how tall are you? You're like six something. Um, uh, shorter than that. I'm like five something. Here. Okay. Uh, you want to give me an athletics check? Sure. Nineteen. Okay. Yeah, you jump over there, no problem. Uh, so Imran, you do a cure wounds. Yes, on the haka. Um. He passes out. Um, <laughs> is he breathing? Yeah, he's like, breathing. Okay, okay. Um, I don't like that. Can I inspect um, claws and arms? You said they're like soft. Mm-hmm. Um, can I... I don't have it prepared, I don't think. I mean, just to kidding. be fair, he's been through a lot. Maybe he yeah. just passed out now that, like, the pain and so. everything else. <laughs> maybe, so. maybe, he's still breathing and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he, it's, it seems like, you know, the small cuts and whatnot, they kind of healed over, like you're, okay. like you typically see from, from your healing yeah. magic. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to take off my cloak and kind of fold it into like a pillow and just kind of set him aside. Okay. Um, <laughs> and keep a very close eye, but also keep an eye on Konos because uh, he also passed out on us <laughs> last time. And I'm really low on spell slots, so I'm keeping an eye. <laughs> okay. What's actually doing during this whole thing? Uh, 
I'm going to try to put my little grappling hook on a rope and see if I can fish out my cage or at least catch it on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, roll me an athletics check, please. Sixteen plus athletics. Seventeen. Okay, so uh, you do fish something up. It has the exact same problem that uh, that Konos had with the other item that he brought, and that is that it is just caked with mud. Mm -hmm. Is it about the right size? Uh, yeah, but the other one looked basically the right size, too. Okay. Um, how many crabs do you think they have down there? I know. That's a, that's the problem, huh? Um, can and I stab the, into it to see if I hit anything metal? <laughs> um, why are they down there? Well, remember that cage is, uh, is magical, so it's not going to respond like metal. Well, well like a crab flash will be different than right. Well, no. remember when you activated it, you th it, it started as like this the circular metal item, but yeah. then when you threw it and you said the activation word or the command word, it sort of morphed into this cage shaped thing, and then it shaped exactly to the goblin, right? Yeah, and attached to him. So, yeah. uh, if it is still active, it's probably not going to sound like metal if you stab into it. You might actually oh. stab the goblin if that is the goblin. I don't think he's alive. <laughs> I'm just, I am wondering if you speak the command word again, would it shut off and maybe just float up to the surface? Uh, it's still, it's still made of metal, so I don't think it would float up, right? Is it, it's not, is it a boiling mud pit? Is it like bubbling and boiling and bringing things up? It is, uh, it is bubbling and boiling, but uh, you haven't seen anything come up other than what Konos fished out. Yeah, I mean, it'll certainly be harder to get if it. I mean, if I speak the command word, and it's at the bottom of this the, this pit of mud. Is it still going to react to my command word if it's that far out of my sight? And I mean, it's not that deep. I'd be more concerned about fishing out something that small. Yeah, that's the what pit I mean. is pretty if big. It, um, yeah, it's easier, but, easier to get a bigger item than a small one. But if we poke this thing, wouldn't it be different if it's a, like a shell of a crab or goblin flesh? Mm -hmm. So if it if it's if it has a give, then maybe it's the goblin. If it's not, then it's probably a another crab. The other thing we can do is come back later. If I take some time to prepare a locate object spell, I can probably pinpoint where it is in there. And oh, then we can fish it out. But it work. would take me a long rest to get that prepared. Mm -hmm. So we could come back if we really, really wanted to. That's a good idea. That's a good um, idea. I have, I have the scroll that has the mud shape spell on it. Mm -hmm. Would that allow me to like empty that pool of mud? I think the pool is too big. It's pretty large. Remember, each of those squares on that map was 10 feet. Can I have the mud, like, move out of the way, just like to a cylinder down, so that we can see, we can find it, and then maybe hook onto it? Like, part, part the mud? <laughs> <laughs> how, how big of an area does that let you affect? That's what I'm looking up. Basically, a five-foot cube. 
that's not big if it's that. I mean, poking your trident down into it, how deep did it go? The trident oh, did, did not hit the bottom. Yeah. Well, well I good. could well I could try to make the trident a little a little bigger uh, in a minute. Yeah, what are you doing over there, Konos? What did you want to look at? Well, uh, now that I'm over here, do I see anything especially unusual or interesting about this altar at this point? Um, yes, it's alive. Okay. Um, this is definitely not just a hunk of coral. This thing is living and breathing somehow, which I've surprised me a little bit to see something this large that's out of water and still alive. Um, and you see the area where Imarin had hit, and you see that there's blood dripping from it, but, you know, coral doesn't bleed blood. Right. I'll just kind of, like, rush, run my, brush my hand across the bleeding area and try to just wipe the blood off. Yeah, it just keeps dripping out from a crack. This should not be bleeding. Is Okay, I will take the coral out piece out of my own trident mm-hmm. and just kind of hold it up near the bleeding area and see if that changes anything or has any effect. Uh, roll, me a say, de- uh, go ahead. roll me a dexterity save. Okay. I was going to say, I was doing something. I was saying, is this, is this it? Is this you? And then, and then interesting things happen because <laughs> I got a 10 on the dex save. Uh, you all see a large spike-like protrusion suddenly jut out of the coral and slam into Konos, and he falls into the boiling pit of mud. I can't, like, run up and see if I can (laughs) tackle him to the other side before he falls in. You can uh, give me a a strength check or actually an acrobatics check to see if you can catch him before he goes all the way in. Strength or acrobatics or just acrobatics? Acrobatics. (laughs) Better hope for a miracle. (laughs) Okay, uh, uh, 15. Okay, so you grab onto him so that he doesn't get fully submerged. Okay. He's, he still takes four points of damage. Okay, that's not bad. And uh, you can help him sort of crawl out. Yeah, I am pulling him. I do not have that many spell slots left. Please don't die. <laughs> Spits up a little mud. And then just sort of like, that... No, that shouldn't have happened. This this is your home, isn't it? Why would you lash out at me like that? Konos, when you when you look back at the coral altar, you don't see a coral altar. You see a enormous dog-shaped creature with spikes coming out of the fur around its uh, neck and throat area and near its ankles and on the crest of its back. Just for a very brief moment. Do I recognize what that might be? Uh, you can roll me a... Mm, 
what kind of a check would that be? It's going to be a... For something that you seem connected to, it doesn't really like you. Yeah, you can uh, make a nature check. Nature 12. Um, you don't know the name of it, but uh, you have seen it in Dreams and Visions before. Okay, let's let's back away from this. Um, this does not seem... I don't know what this is, but it looks like it's something that somehow has been maybe transformed into this or had its shape altered and doesn't seem happy about being in this state. Either way, let's just back off. I'm making sure everybody gives this thing a wide berth. Yeah. I am patting Axley on the shoulder. We will find it later. I don't like this thing and I don't like you near this thing. Let's get back. Axley, are you uh, poking the thing with your sword? Did you decide? The, the big lump? Yeah. Uh, I have, don't have a lot. I, I don't have a big stick that I, I got from uh, earlier up above. I think we we did right. There were the, the rods that were used up above for. Um... I mean, I can take my sword and try. I thought there were rods that we got, like large sticks. But okay. Either way, I mean, I want to fish something out, so I'd like to see if this is it. I'll I'll poke it with my sword. I'm going to prep a sacred flame at it. <laughs> on a sling decides to attack. <laughs> uh, when Marcel sort of pokes it, it kind of rolls to the side and uh, one part of it that has already started to dry, some of the mud sort of cracks off and it looks white underneath. That's not a crab. Also, it rolled, so it's spherical, like actually spherical, not just covered in mud spherical. All right, maybe it's worth cleaning off. We'll spend some time cleaning it off like we did the last one. Okay. Do you think this mud pit was always here, or was this created? Um, I, like... When you clean that off, you have uh, an egg that is about a uh, foot and a half from apex to base. And probably about a foot wide at the widest portion. Hmm. What kind uh, of creature would lay an egg in the mud? Well, maybe the haka. I mean, we were looking for their incubation area. Maybe the mud pit is their incubation area. But I don't know if there's a haka inside of this or some kind of mud creature. True. <laughs> kind of a 50-50 at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it might have started like a haka. Well, we don't want to insult them by breaking, breaking like one of their eggs. <laughs> I mean, we could take it back to the village and see what they say. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't hurt. <sighs> All right, so, so we... if if we take the egg away from something warm and it gets too cold, do you think it'll die? And do you think we'll be in trouble for killing something? They've been they dying they... for ages. Yeah, they said in generations they haven't had any kind of a birth. Okay. And to be fair, there's I, th- I think there's a more than 50% chance that whatever's in that egg has been mutated into whatever foul magic is making shit here. Okay, fair. I mean, my instinct would be to break the altar, but I also don't want to necessarily kill Konos. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, what, whatever it is, it's something that, <laughs> yeah, it's something else. And there's one thing I can do. There's one more thing I can, I'm curious to try, but I want to do it when we're out of this room. 
So our mission isn't really done yet, though, because this place still isn't safe with that mud thing around. So we need to figure out where that thing went, kill it, and make sure nothing else can form. Nobody else comes through. My knowledge of magic is very tenuous, but what if it's some kind of, like, guardian that was activated because we were intruding here? And now it's just gone because whatever. But my point is, it may not be something that can be destroyed. It may just be something that automatically forms in this room. There's a lot enough mud to summon more of those things. True. But again, we don't know if it's something that was naturally here or something that right. was, was transplanted. Our Hawka friend isn't awake, is he? You can try to wake him up. Does anybody, would anybody be able to translate if we woke this one up and tried to talk to him? Because that would be probably the most helpful thing to do at this point. Get some information on this place. Depends on what language languages he speaks, but I could also try to speak to him mentally. I would like, imagine. Like, like, like we do with Lucanius. Yeah. I would imagine he would still be able to speak Hakka. But I don't think any of us know Hakka. I know Aquan and Common and Dorish. Hakka. We could try Aquan. Did that work with the other Hakka? Did the other Hakka speak Aquan? Yeah, they did. Some of did them they? did, at least. We can try it. Yeah, the, uh, the, trans, the translator spoke Aquan. And right. the, the one that had... Uh, the one that you first met that was on your ship, he spoke halting Aquan. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I'm going to go over with my water skin and kind of just pour it kind of by his mouth um, and just kind of tap him on the cheek. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, He wakes up pretty quickly. Okay. Um, I do speak Aquan, so I'm going to try that. I'm going to say sorry to wake you up, but we do need information. We also need to get out of here at some point in time. Can you understand me? He nods. Okay. What's your name? He looks at you and he sort of he sort of uh makes a motion as if like come in closer. We don't have much trust to go around, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I I kinda lean in a little bit very hesitantly. He he points to his mouth and he mm-hmm. opens his mouth and you see that he has no tongue. Oh jeez. Ask him if this is the Hakka egg chamber. Um well first of all I apologize for what's happened to you here. Um we're gonna do our best to get you out. Um Maybe at some point in time I can help with that, but not right now. Um, Do you mind if we ask you some yes or no questions that you can answer? He sort of shrugs. Okay. Uh, We were sent by your leader to investigate and eradicate whatever has been causing issues. He he shakes his head no immediately. (laughs) He points to himself and points to the room and shakes his head no. I look back at the group. 
Does that mean this isn't the egg chamber? I say an awkward one. Uh, he, he, he puts both hands up as if to like, to say, like move them as if to say, no, 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 you misunderstand, but his hands are chained. So he only moves <laughs> them a little bit and then kind of puts them back down. Um, he points, are you he, a he points to the egg over on the side. Is, is that a Hakka egg? He nods. Should we leave it in the mud or take it with us? Should we leave it in the mud? He nods yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to roll it back in the mud. Gently. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty heavy. I'm pretty strong. No, I'm just saying, like, you notice it's pretty heavy. (laughs) Sorry, David, Um, what'd you say? Let's put it in a different kit so we don't have to fish it out again. (laughs) We'll put it in the other side, the other side of, of it, yeah. where wherever the goblin fell in. As soon as I get that locate object spell, we'll be fine. <laughs> I just need that locate object spell. Um, I mean, knowing there's eggs in there, we have to be very careful with the trident too, because we don't want to. Yeah, don't poke, poke one. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, the other thing is maybe the haka are like able to withstand the heat, and maybe they can fish it out. Because if their eggs are hatched in it, I would imagine that they would be able to. Another another topic for another time. Yeah. I go back <laughs> to speaking. That that actually gives me a question: Is is this pit always bubbling in this hot? Uh, he he points at himself and shakes his head no, but then he points to the pit and shakes his head yes. <laughs> Okay, so he wasn't always that way, but the pit has always been like that? <laughs> I, I thought he meant, like, the adult haka can't, can't take the boiling can't mud. Take but, it. Okay, but, the, okay. but the boiling mud is like that for their <laughs> offspring. I'm really bad at charades, you guys. <laughs> let, me, let, let me let me try a little more a little okay, more direct if do. you want. And I'll, start, and I'll start using, you know, uh, awaken mind communication with him and I'll ask him to start, you know, how long have you been down here? Right then, Bolum says, oh! Oh! You can speak with other creatures in your brain? In my head or out loud? He says it out loud. <laughs> okay. We hear all of this? Yes. Good. He says... What took you so long trying that? I don't understand what the holdup was. Ask it what the ritual is to open that gate back up. <laughs> one, thi- one thing at a time. Um, that it's on the list. Um, and I'll just... <laughs> and I'll, anybody got a bag of holding we can tuck this in for a minute? <laughs> I don't think I have them. I think Axley has them. Axley has both bags of holding. Yeah, did we leave them on the ship? Did we put stuff in them on the ship? <laughs> I oh, were... I don't know. Did you? You might have. Okay. I don't think we specifically talked about how we were divvying them up. I don't think so. All right. Oh, well. Look okay. into that later. All right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just focus back on the Hawkins and, you know, again, kind of repeat the question mm-hmm. if I need to, you know, how. I can't remember last one. Um, how long have you been down? How long were you down here? Ah, uh, 
he he looks at you and he's like puzzled for a second and then he thinks uh, i'm not sure it's been a long journey to get here i'm not from this island what's your name and where are you from my name is let the dm look it up <laughs> <laughs> Had we heard the Hakka talk about other clans? I think so. Because wasn't our our little friend a gift from another clan? Oh, Jobu right. did come from another clan, yes. Yeah. Okay. My name is Taga Cliffrunner. I am Konos. I apologize for communicating with you like this. It may be uncomfortable, but seems the best way for the time being. It is more comfortable than trying to speak with no tongue. Fair. What were the what were the goblins doing with you? I suppose using me to power whatever dark ritual they were casting. Right. Why I was you- I'm a shaman in the Cliff Runner clan and I well, I was a shaman. I shall not be again. With no tongue. We were we were asked to come down here to try to free the the breeding pits and the breeding chambers. That big mud creature, is that something that lives here or is that something that doesn't belong here? The goblin made that. I would guess with the goblin gone, that won't come back either. Okay, that's good to know. And I'm relaying all this to everyone everyone else that's having this conversation. Okay. It's probably just a summons then. Um, could you ask if those were the only creatures, beings, people that, that he interacted with? Is there anybody else we need to worry about? Yeah, I'll ask him, is there, other than the goblins in here, was there anybody else in this in this temple that you saw? Here? No. They transported us here. In a teleport oh. in a teleport circle. Oh. The one we destroyed. Mm-hmm. Well, we got rid of that, so it's they may not be coming back. Do you know where you were before? Where did they take you before you came here? They stole me from my home. Was it goblins that stole you or some other humanoid? I'm not really sure. Uh, There were humans, but the goblins, they're the cruel ones. The humans left. Once they took me, the humans left and the goblins took control of me and we teleported from there. Did the goblins change your hands like that? That happened when he was casting the gate ritual. And this, and he he leans back and he points at his back. And you see little stubby spikes starting to grow out. Do they look like the spikes that were in the, that came out of the coral? Yeah. I'll ask him, do you know anything about this, that large coral altar? Has that always been here? I don't know. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Okay. 
Yeah, we might need information. We might need to bring the Hakka from the village nearby to see what what they say has changed from this location, but that's something we'll have to ask them. Okay. I mean, we can guess all we want as to how much of this has changed from how the Hakka usually have it, but if we actually bring one of the Hakka from the village, though, it'll mm. be a bit quicker. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you guys want me to ask him? We should ask him. I don't think so. Did he know how long he's been here? Like, no, he. He yeah, he's, he didn't. He wasn't sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should bring the the. Actually, that's someone else we can question. And I look over at our friend Goblin. Yes. <laughs> he might know how long it's been. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. All right. I think Axley needs to speak to him because Axley's his best friend right now. <laughs> At this point, do we know how long we've been in this chamber? Do we know kind of what time of day it would be? Uh, you've only been in the temple a couple of hours. It's kind of what I thought. Maybe, maybe three hours, maybe. And you left the village at first dawn, so. Yeah. So our our guide should probably still be somewhere. I was going to say, do you think distance. he's still around? He's probably at a safe distance from this area, waiting to see if we come back. Mm-hmm. I thought we kind of sent him home. Yeah, yeah. I remember if you said we were, he was going to wait or go back to the village. I think we so. told him to wait some time, and if we don't show up and he thinks we're dead, then he can go back. <laughs> Or, you know, if he sees everything explode and then, yeah, just go. <laughs> Can I ask the Taga if he knows what ritual the goblin was casting? Or trying to cast? Uh, no. I know nothing of it other than it's there. And he sort of points to the wall where you see the writing. Okay. And the same thing that we've seen before. Yeah. Actually, you want to in- interrogate your uh, friendo? Does he seem like he's open to questions? I mean, he he's to me asking questions. He's charmed, right? Didn't you charm him? It's not charm. It's um, suggestion. suggestion. Oh, suggestion. I mean, no one has acted aggressively toward him since you suggested he just write things, other than when you tied him up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's hard to say if he's open to questions or not. Okay, so he's not charmed to think anyone's a friend. He's he was just charmed to write. He's just compelled things. to write. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, it was suggested to him that the best course of action right now would be to write. I will stop yes. being a blue-skinned, nasty evil, evil wizard. Evil, <laughs> evil wizard. Yeah. So it's probably better just take him out of here and get him back to the village where we are safe and we can rest and figure out how to best question him because it's going to take more spells for me to compel him to speak what's going on i mean true unless he wants to be helpful anyways you want to be helpful right goblin friendo (laughs) you want to roll persuasion sure (laughs) i lost my sheet because i was looking for something um Oh, wow, that was so high. Persuasion, you said. Yeah. Uh, 14. Uh, he 
nods at you and puts a thumb up. His hands are tied, but he puts a thumb up. So, so how, how long have you guys been down here? Uh, weeks. And why did you all decide to do that, like, gate spell right now? It was time. How do you know when time is? Boss tells me. Oh. How does he communicate with you? He would just say it. <laughs> so he comes here and tells you to do it. He is in there now. And he points to the pit. <laughs> oh, that boss. Yeah, boss. Yeah, that <laughs> boss that had all the answers. <laughs> well, boss has all the answers. That's what he says. <laughs> might want to look at that. Emron, you might want to prepare to speak with that as well. So <laughs> yeah. that, I was like, oh, I, I'm going to put that there as well. <laughs> when we right. Oh, boy. So you're just a minion that does, uh, follows orders, right? I prepare things. You Did you create that mud that mud monster that has now disappeared? No, boss did that. But you can cast magic too, right? A little bit. I'm not very good yet, he says. He used to say. Yet. Now that he's gone, I'm the boss now. He kind of <laughs> smiles a little bit. Emerin's back in the corner like trying not to cackle. <laughs> <laughs> While while they're while they're talking with the with the goblin, can I be take maybe about five minutes to just try to meditate on my robe of eyes and do uh was it change the view? What do you want to change the view to? Uh, I want to try to perceive through the eyes of the big mud creature and see if it's still around <laughs> or not. Uh, I've got bad news for you: the big mud creature has no eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. <laughs> All right. All right. Fair enough. It's one of the only creatures you've met with literally no eyes. Hmm. Okay. This is going right. great. <laughs> the goblin says, now that I'm the boss, I get to have a dog. A dog, you say? We get a pet. Where's Where's your ex-boss's dog? Uh, he sent it home, I guess. Through the teleportation circle? No, through there. He points at the coral. That's just an altar. No. That's where the dog went. Did Kono say anything about what he saw? I no. would have I would have mentioned something about that, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, technically you said I don't have a good feeling about that. We should get out of this room. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. So yeah. when they're talking about dogs, then I'll say, yeah, did you transform the dog into the into this big slab of coral here? Or was that always here? Because I saw a dog trapped in it when I touched it. And then it bit me. Yeah, the dog. It's there. Bad it's still there. If we wa- If we wanted to release it, how would we do that? And I stress if. Do you want to ride it? Not if it's going to bite me again. Oh, that hurt. That hurt. How how did the how did old boss control the dog? He had an amulet. Oh, good. Oh, that's probably at the bottom <laughs> of the pit. 
one decision has never bitten me in the ass so much in D&D. <laughs> oh, it's not over. Oh, <laughs> the hits just keep coming. Uh, right. We're, so what was keep, the plan? Why you can keep were trying you, to fish you, things out. I'm going to ask him, why were you opening the portal? What was the plan? What was the end game? That's how Samasha shows us the bounty. What bounty? The bounty of the blue plateau. The blue plate. Plateau, plate, whatever. The blue plate. Lots of food. I guess. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Lots you're of power. Maybe, and we get to... Maybe you're the food? No. <laughs> maybe, that would maybe, be the fine print. Yeah, maybe Boss was going to feed you to the blue plate. <laughs> No, no, that that's not how it's supposed to work. I I was I was gonna get to be the boss after that one was done, and then I can summon my own. Summon your own what? My own God. big gate, and then we all go through the gate, and then we have power. Why are they so obsessed with the blue plate plateau? Are they are they like making an army on the blue plate? We get to have power beyond our wildest dreams. Do you know who Larilac is? <gasps> Larilac. Larilac is the leader. He gives the power. Yeah, this all sounds like typical like cultist <laughs> right? propaganda. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> he says, bring forth watery souls. We'll live, and then he joins us, and we get power. Because Shamasa said it, or something. Foretold something. Shamasa. So you sacrifice watery creatures in return for power. Maybe? No, all the creatures volunteer. Somehow I don't think that's right. That's how they get the power. And do they get crab hands or crab claws as part of that? Not unless they're not really true believers. Like that one. Seems like he wasn't willing. Well, yeah, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. So, I have a question. Did, uh... Your boss or anywhere around here have a bunch of, like, amethyst? That's the amulet. Ah, fuck me over. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Do you have any spells that could move that mud to so that we could get your boss out of the mud? Why would I want to take the boss out of the mud? Well, we'd certainly want to give him a proper... Well, because you're the funeral. boss. You're the boss. You need his magic amulet. You can't be the that boss too. without the amulet. You realize this. That too. But I thought I would just become the boss because he's gone. But no. you need the boss's power. Yeah, you, can't, all... you can't be the boss without the amulet. Yeah, that'll let you do all the cool stuff he did. That's how you get your dog. I guess we got to get some buckets. <laughs> <laughs> Amethyst is the master. One shard to concentrate. Huh. 
we're not we really need to get that body back but we're not going to get it out until we rest i say we go back yeah i think we bring our new friend here and um yeah bring both friends and help the other guy to go back the other haka can help um take care of uh taga Mm -hmm. another option is when we come back maybe we can use the water elemental to uh, get down into that well that's a good idea too yeah i was i was thinking of that i don't know how well it'll you might as well try it now see if you can summon it now and then if uh, yeah, it doesn't work, sure. I'll uh, I'll bring out the um, what I called here the bowl of watery servant, <laughs> and um, <laughs> fill it with water and call out the uh, activation word. When you take it out, the goblin goes, "Oh, <laughs> I like that." Yeah, this one's mine. Hands off. <laughs> Put mud in it. <laughs> We all just had the same reaction. <laughs> 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 we all just kind of froze. Um, hmm. is that a, is, I mean, I'd control it, so probably. Yes. But is it mud going to help us if we have a mud elemental? But a mud elemental can survive in the... Oh, it could go in the boiling yeah. mud and fish it out. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Water elemental might just get boiled away in that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. worth trying. Fuck it, let's do this. <laughs> I'll go and scoop some of the boiling mud into it. What do you scoop it with? Or are you gonna like Yeah, just like scoop it like Okay. A... Then what? Look at my party. Do you really think this is a good idea? <laughs> it's better than it's, it's worth a try. Wait, when we point. filled it with water, the symbols uh the uh thing on the side started mm-hmm. to move, right? Is it yeah. doing the same thing now? You can't tell because it's full of mud. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'm going to prep the sacred flame. <laughs> yeah, that's fair too. Um, I'll stand on the other side of where we have the haka just in case. Uh, well, here goes nothing and I'll call out the... Uh, I think servant was the activation word, wasn't it? I'll call out servant. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the mud jumps out of the bowl and it forms into a humanoid-shaped creature with hair of mud that's sort of flowing, almost like waves. And It works. It's just standing there. Okay. You said humanoid shape, so it's like five, six feet. Yeah, it's 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 rough humanoid shape. It's it's almost like a gumby shaped creature. Okay. We'll tell it to go into the mud pit and recover the goblin body that's inside the pit. Okay. It walks into the boiling mud. We all watch. <laughs> Waiting. Everybody's waiting with bated okay. breath. I, I, yep. I just want to say we need to be, take very special care to make sure no one on the ship mistakes that bowl for a potty. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I don't think I'm leaving this around so people can just like <laughs> grab it. <laughs> don't leave it in the kitchen either, unless we want a soup broth elemental. 
That might not be a bad thing. Tadius might like that. Soup that'll serve itself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after about 10 minutes, you see the mud creature sort of come out of the mud. And it puts something on the bank. And then it goes back under. And then it comes up again and it puts something on the bank. And then it goes back under. How many goblins did we throw in there? And then it comes up again <laughs> and it puts something on it. And in about 10 or 15 minutes, it has put things all the way around. And then it comes up again and it's got it. And it's just kind of standing there waiting. It's sort of floating in the middle of the mud. I, there was a lot of goblins in there. Uh, Are we sure I, they're all goblins? Or well, can, I, they, can I asked it tell... I asked it to take the goblin out, so I'm assuming they're at least goblins and not something else. Well, does it know, or does it just grab something and pull it out? Does it really? Is it have the ability to discern what it's pulling out? Can it clean them off? Can it just kind of like scoop the mud off of it? And can we see what they are? Maybe. I'll ask it to clean one of them off. Uh, you see blue skin under it. Definitely uh, okay. And the, your goblin friend who's tied up says, Watery souls! That's my army! <laughs> he did say, yeah, that like they were basically sacrificing believers as well as non-believers yeah. to the altar. Put them on the altar! No! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> the next step. We're not completing the ritual for you. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> well, why not? But we would have power beyond our wildest imagination. That's exactly why not. <laughs> How come that doesn't sound good to you? How many others have, have completed this ritual? And have they ever come back? I'm sure countless others have completed the ritual just fine. <laughs> He's no idea. Okay. <laughs> Actually, you can try turning your, your metal ball off now, now that all the goblin bodies are out. Yeah, see if it falls off one of them. See which one. Okay, have them put that last well, one on you, the side. Well, you actually don't mm-hmm. know that all of them are out. Yeah, oh. they don't. All you know is he ran out of space. Oh, oh! <laughs> we'll move oh, yeah, them cool. away. Oh God, this place is okay. Well, look, if this actually is the pit that the Haka used for their kids, we may want to get rid of the goblins inside. Fair. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, um, let's make some space and see if our, our stack them up. <laughs> yep, start hauling bodies. I'm gonna start prodding it with my mace and just like shoving bodies like out of the way. <laughs> Same. Try it and just. I'm, I'm like full boarding the things out of the room with my, with my trident at this point. If he keeps bringing these up, are you still going to keep making room for them? I mean, I guess. So remember, your your servant will last for an hour. Yeah. I'll ask the our tied up goblin. How many are down there? My army full. Our watery souls. Probably a lot. Probably a lot. Um, well, it should be one of the ones on the top, I would I think, right? I was going right? to say, we can try <laughs> it. And yeah. Again, okay. worst case scenario, I can locate object, and we can at least find Axley's. I mean, 
net. Uh, I'm just exactly asking. Yeah, I'm just asking how long you want to let the mud servant keep. Yeah, you said it took him ten minutes to start pulling them out, right? Right, but once he did, he just kept going back under and bringing them up, and mm-hmm. then they were all the way around. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's a good idea to get all the bodies out if this is going to be returned to the Hakka as their breeding ground. Um, so I would probably let it go for another, like, 10, 15 minutes at least. I'm going to keep moving bodies. And um, then I get kind of curious, because I don't know how the spell works, but um, you probably can't find the amethyst amulet, because... That would require it just going goblin to goblin and checking just like we would. But if we, if Axley lets go of, like, says the command word to let go of the ball so that it's separated, maybe it could look for that small spherical thing. Well, can you ask it, does it know which one of these is a a goblin with a metal cage around it? Is it uh, a visible metal metal cage? How does does the cage work? No, remember... It's a it's a circular metal object, like bands formed in a circle. And when you throw it and you say the activation word, which in this case was caught, uh, it expands out to be a much larger ball. But then when it starts, you know, he's got an intended target. When you activate it, it has an intended target. And as it gets closer to that target, it changes its shape. It turns into like a cage, like a like a traditional like flat bottom sort of dome topped cage. But then as it as it's about to hit the target, it changes its shape to fit the shape. At least this is what it did when it captured the goblin. It changed shape to fit the goblin exactly. And then it kind of seals itself to the goblin. And it's magic. It's not actually metal anymore at that point. It's not like the goblin was sitting in a cage. He was just restrained by the magical element of that particular item. And so I think the way that I described it uh, last week, last game, when when it actually hit, it was sort of like when you see an old cartoon and a cartoon character runs through a wall and the wall has a cut out the shape of the of the cartoon character. That's kind of what it did. It kind of changed its shape to match exactly the form of whatever position that creature was in. And then it adhered to it, and it won't let it move from that form. That's why it was restrained. Wait, so that means if the creature was standing and in, like, combat position, mm-hmm. we should be able to distinguish which of these mounds looks less like a corpse and more like a statue? Possibly. Because they, these... they all just kind of come out like these enormous balls of mud, like these... Yeah, but as the mud drips off, mm-hmm. like, it should pretty easily be able to tell which one's a body and which one's a statue of someone (laughs) trying to cast a spell. (laughs) Uh Yeah. So right now he's after about you said a half hour more, right? You said, you said 10 minutes and then maybe half hour after that. So now it's been 40 minutes. There's at least 50 of these things out. Oh boy. Lots of watery souls. This is going to be a lot of cleanup for the Hakka. Um, and it's still bringing them out? Yep. It hasn't stopped? Nope. Well, I, yeah, I, I eventually tell Unless it. Unless you ask it to, yeah. Yeah, I'll ask it to stop. But, and 
I mean, I'll I'm look at Axley. Why don't you just release the ball, see if it falls off one of these? Well, based on, I mean, I don't know if we'll see anything because it's in a, it's in a big wad of mud, and if it so perfectly mirrors the body, and it's just going to reduce down to a small size sphere. It may all happen underneath the mud; we won't even see it. Yeah, but we have fifty bodies out here, so if it detaches from one of these, it'll probably possibly make a sound but at the very least we'll see the movement of it detaching and like falling off of the body i'm gonna ask the goblin are there more than a hundred bodies in that pit five thousand oh my god that's what they said we need five thousand okay that's how many did you get How, how did you get i'm gonna say since the spell was ready they got there I think I think we should just wait till we can come back with a locate object. How big is this pit? Yeah, this is an awfully deep pit. Yeah, yeah, I know. Bodies in it. Yeah, Mm. that's kind of bottomless. Yeah, boy. Yeah, I'd still suggest releasing the cage to see if we have it outside. If not, then we can still cast locate object on it. And if we get a description of whatever this amulet is and it's already released from the body, we can get that object, and then I can recast it for the amulet and find... Uh, okay, so maybe if I, can, if I release it, maybe if it doesn't, if we don't see anything here, maybe we can tell the, the elemental to find the little metal sphere. Yeah. Do that. So, okay, I'll, I'll try to release it. So you have to say the deactivation word. Yes. Uh-huh. What's the deactivation Which word? Is, I think it's, let's see, wasn't it <laughs> the same thing? Uh, release uh, it will, same command word so it's caught okay roll a perception check all of us everybody all looking yeah 19 plus Ooh. perception 12 plus 4 so 23 21 nice. 18 <laughs> uh so everyone except konos sees that one of the one of the forms that is covered in mud uh, shakes and moves after Axley says the command word. Sacred it's... flame. No kidding. <laughs> What'd you say? I'll go over to it. Sacred <laughs> flame. Um, I'll go over to it and try to fish it out. Yeah, I'm going to run over to it too. Okay. The cage is, I mean, it's a, now it's just metal bands again. It's just sitting on yeah. top of a glob of mud now. Okay. I'll, I'll pick that. it out. Right. Then I'm going to walk over to Kona, so I'm going to wipe it off on his shirt. <laughs> Fair. Fair enough. I'll start, I'll start trying to clean off this. Um... So presumably there's an amulet in there, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start I'm cleaning looking... off this body. Okay. Same. I'm going to look for the amulet and any keys I can find to get those shackles off of Taga. Okay. Uh, if you spend 10 or 15 minutes cleaning off this entire goblin, you find a small uh, belt pouch that has 15 gold pieces in it and a key that looks like it's made of the same metal, which is uh, basic steel that the shackles are made of, the manacles. Okay, um, I And you do find an amulet around its neck. It was hidden under its tunic. Okay. Uh, an amethyst amulet. It is, it is the uh, very similar eyeball shape that you are familiar with, uh, with spikes coming out of it, and um, the p- 
pupil part of the eyeball is a large amethyst gem. But it only has one amethyst on it. Correct. It has one. I remember that book that I had. Yeah, the, amethy- know, the amethyst, amethyst wars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, master. I don't know. I'm going to run over to Taga and unlock all those chains. Okay. You notice as you're unlocking them that it already looks like his uh, crab uh, parts are turning back into Haka parts. That's good. Yes. I wonder what's happening to Lucanius. I'll uh, I'll clean off the amulet with a bit of shape water and some water from my canteen, and then I'll I'll pocket that. Okay. So, hold on. If I we just cut off this thing's head, and later we want to cast speak with dead, does that work, or do I need the whole body? <laughs> uh trying to look for the um that is quite the question (laughs) it says the corpse must still have a mouth and can't be undead i think you just need the head i think i just need the head it it needs to be the full head like if you don't have the on the lower it needs to be able to speak okay (laughs) yeah i mean it's a goblin it's not that big i know but it's, I think we can have take a, a body, but a head back. We could have the other goblin carry the dead goblin if we really wanted to. Yeah, because a uh, mud friend only has like ten minutes left before yeah. he plops back. So let's, the let's have it carry it as far as we can get. At least it'll get us out of this. This. Yeah, we can have it carry it to the outside at least. Yeah, and eventually we're gonna have to. <laughs> That's a problem for the hot cousin. They have a lot of bodies to remove from here. <laughs> My big question is if there's all these bodies in that pit, like that might be why their thing doesn't work to actually right. hatch yeah. the babies. Yeah, just, right. just not enough room. Okay, so we've actually that's a good point. I'm gonna run over to the wall with script on it mm-hmm. and just deface it as much as I can. Okay. Just kind of scribble. It's going to take, take a while because it's okay. all over, other than the circular area where the gate was. Yeah. Are you trying to write over it or like chisel, chisel? No, out? I'm trying to. I'm taking my mace and like literally smacking chunks out of it to see just at least just like a portion of it so that it can't be immediately uh, used Used again. to whole something okay. like that. Is the are the words like uh, chiseled into the wall? Yeah, but it's that it's the Hakka's clay stone structure. So it's it's more like a layer of clay that they made impressions in. Mm-hmm. Now the area where uh, where the words were written and as the ritual was being cast, that the ones that glowed, that is completely dried and it's like stone because of the magic that was infused in the words as the ritual was being cast. But the uh, parts that it didn't get to are still very soft clay. They're easy to deface. So we could deface like the second half, the bottom half that Correct. wasn't activated. Right. You can also deface the top half. It just takes a while because it's more like stone. 
I'll have I'll have our wait no uh yeah so we'll have the uh, mud elemental take the the main goblin up to the upper level of the um, temple. The dead goblin. Yeah, the dead okay. goblin. Mm-hmm. Can the I, like, other the other one says bye, boss. Uh, now I'm the boss. <laughs> I'm the boss. I've got the amulet. I'm the boss. But the amulet was mine. You're supposed to give it to me. Nope. You I said I it. I could have it when I when you found it. I didn't I'm say that. Away at the wall. <laughs> Can I, I said like, you need the amulet to be the boss, but I'm the one that found it, so that makes me the boss. That's no fair. <laughs> now I'll never get a dog. Can I uh, use Eldritch Blast to help Emerin with her religious vandalism? Sure. <laughs> Just blow away <laughs> chunks of the, the, the rating here? Yes. Uh, yes, you can. Pew, pew. Okay. Oh, this is a bad idea, but everyone's looking the other way. I'm going to put the amulet on. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Hold on a second. Bad impulsive decisions. Let's go. <laughs> uh, uh, when you put the amulet on, that howling noise, you now hear it in your head. And when you look in the direction where the coral altar was, you see a large dog-shaped creature with spikes coming out of its neck and back and by its feet. And as you look over at it, it looks at you. You need to make a will saving throw, or a wisdom saving throw. Sorry, keep saying will. Your DC is 15. Hey, guys. (laughs) The only thing worse than my wisdom saving throw is my strength saving throw. Oh, wow. I rolled a 19. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm low on spell slots. Have I mentioned that? Uh, The creature, the howling noise, sort of uh, shrinks down to an understandable yammering and you hear it say release me release me from my prison you must release me what happens if I release you release me so I can live Look at Konos, who's hacking up at the wall. I look back at it and go, how do I release you? You know how. Activate the portal. Oh, fuck that shit. (laughs) (laughs) It is easy. You can do it. You are royalty, I see. You can. You can do it. Uh Uh-uh. No. Konos? Yeah. You hear that. No one else hears it. I mean, Marcel hears it, but... (laughs) 
Immerin and Axley, you don't hear any of that. Super oblivious to it. Just hacking at the wall. Can I take a break from Eldritch Blasting and think to <laughs> Bolum? You said something about wanting to uh, fight the howling thing, right? Yep. Is that it? Yep. I will let everybody know this. <laughs> so wait, the altar pup is the howling thing? That's what it seems like. That your weapon it. wants to fight? Yeah. And releasing... <laughs> I promise I will not do this until we've had a long rest. Oh, no, I'm not going to either. Bolum Um, says, it's weakened. You can take it. We can do it. You should have valor in your soul. Do any of us hear this? I I may have valor in my soul, but I only have eight hit points in my body currently. (laughs) I'd I'd like to point out, Mister Overzealous <laughs> Trident, that your wielder got hurt when we hurt this thing. If you hurt it, isn't it going to just kill your user? Of course not. It's weakened. You can take it. I know you can. We must defeat it. Okay, but why why is it that when we hurt the dog, it hurts Konos? Well, how should I know that? But we can defeat it. <laughs> Well, it's not the dog right now. Do you think when we open the gate, it like inhabits whatever this is and becomes a different thing? Oh, that's a great idea. Let's open the gate. Open the gate. Open the gate. We can go through. We can go through. We don't have to worry about this one. We'll get the big one. I don't have a sense. No. <laughs> Wait, what big one? The big one. The actual yeah. howler. Yeah, this is just the like the on this plane. This is what's bringing it out through. This is like its scout. Well, we can't do it now, but I also don't feel very comfortable leaving this here. So, our, I guess we're not really done. Konos, Konos, Konos. We can do this. Open the gate. We can go. You I... can open the gate without without even doing the ritual. We can do it. Get get the get get them get them the royalty the royal one get them they'll they'll help us I promise. Would you not call me that, please? <laughs> what, what what is meant by the royal? I'm not yeah, sure why you would want to hide from that. Why are they? What, what does he mean? I well, slowly turn to Marcel. <laughs> <laughs> what is the coral talking about? Uh, someone, uh, everybody actually roll a perception check. <laughs> Nine. Seventeen. Six. Who got more than a oh. ten? Do I have to roll two? Yeah, you should roll two. Uh, yeah, that was a nine. Immerin's the only one that got more than a ten? Yeah. Immerin, you see, when this all of this commotion is going on, you see that the little goblin has sneaked over by the edge of the pool and it's pushing some of the globs of mud back into the pool. I chuck a sacred flame like right in front of it as it's doing that. Knock it off. Uh, Roll an attack roll. 18. 
uh, you hit right in front of it, but right in front of it is where the thing was that it was rolling, and you instantly burn off all of the all of the mud, and that was sacred flame, so it does radiant damage, right? Uh-huh. Whatever was under there just turns to ash and crinkles, falls on the ground. Knock it off. That doesn't normally happen to corpses, or does it? I don't and, think so. We're going to go with that, it. Why did... Do you want to do that for the rest? <laughs> I mean, it's a cantrip. <laughs> Chucking sacred flames. Well, do we want to do that right now? It's just an idea. I mean, and if it'll distract you all from the conversation we were just having, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what's funny is you were all talking and then just sort of out of the blue, Marcel's saying, oh, you know, ignore this. And Konos is trying to talk to Bolum. And Imran just turns and goes, and shoots a sacred flame. <laughs> and now everything's quiet. And the goblin goes, Oh, Back to your corner. Sit until the adults are done talking. But my army! You, you want to join your army? army? Save your toys you. later. <laughs> and then you'll become poof. Just like your companions. Ah, <sighs> fine. It sort of has a tear running down. <laughs> and it turns no and goes pity. to the corner. No pity. <laughs> Okay. We're going to shelf this conversation because Axley did the same thing to me earlier when I asked about his cousin that confronted us. <laughs> We're all going to have to sit down and have a little chat. You didn't, you didn't ask me about it. I did. And we no, changed the subject to the goat, the talking goat. Yeah. I think it was around there. We were talking, we were trying to have a conversation. Then we were looking at those rods and a talking goat came out and we never finished our conversation. <laughs> Weird yeah. how those things happen. Anyways, we should yeah. probably get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Bolum says, I know the perfect exit. Konos. Konos. Is it through the gate? Cast the gate. Open it up. We can go through. We can do it. We can do it. You, you can do it. I know you can. I know you can. You haven't always shown me your most valorous side, but that's okay. I believe that when you are faced with the challenge, you will, you will stand up to it and you will succeed. The coral has told me so. You can do it. And I will happily face that challenge once we've all recovered. I'm going to start gathering Taga up um, and start kind of making my way towards the exit. Okay. He's He can move much better now that the chains aren't on him. Fair enough. Uh, are you going to sacred flame the other balls of mud? Are we coming back? I think we're going to have to come back. We are. Yeah. But we're well, we're taking Goblin Friend with us so he can't. Spend oh, yeah. a day just shoving everything back in. Sure. Um, but maybe do a couple. Okay. Just take six seconds per sacred flame. <laughs> <laughs> There's like um, 50 bodies. Yeah. 
Um, so as Taga, as everybody's filing out, I guess I'll just hurl a couple as everybody's leaving and I'll be the last to leave and I'll take up the rear. So what order is everybody leaving in? Um, I'm probably, uh, escorting the goblin out first. Uh, as you're trying to escort the goblin out, uh, you want to make me a, uh, dexterity athletics check or yeah, dexterity athletics check. I know that's weird, but... So that would be... Did you beat a 13? Yes, absolutely. I rolled a 17. The uh, the goblin tries to run away from you, and you catch it by the, by the ropes around his hands. <laughs> and it says, no, no, I don't, I can't leave. No, no, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. I can't Not go. Anymore. Let me go. I'm the boss. I'm the boss, and I say we're leaving. You're not the boss! Not the boss! I chuck another sacred flame in its direction. <laughs> I can burn his toes a little bit. We did, we did suggest that it actually did suggest that it stay in this room and write all over the place. So maybe if that spell ends, it will be slightly more willing to leave. And then it may be hostile. True. But there's also four of us and one of it. Alan. <laughs> it's struggling trying to get away. All right. All I have to do is end my concentration and let the spell go, right? Mm-hmm. So. All right. It's, it's bound really tight. It's still struggling okay. to get away. I mean, Marcel grabbed onto it, so. Yeah. I'll drag him as best I can. I'm not very strong, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll grab the goblin by the scruff after just tightening my belt a little bit. <laughs> Let's go. No, I'm what I need to stay. This is where I'm supposed to stay. Why do it's, you have to stay? This is where I stay. I I can't go back without having done. You're not what? going anywhere. You're taking me back in there. Yeah. So, what will with- happen if you go back without finishing? Oh, Larelac won't be happy. Larelac can't come here because we destroyed his magic circle. Yeah, he's stuck wherever he is. Mm, nothing sticks, Larelac. You know, hope that doesn't actually mean anything. But uh, <laughs> let's, um, yeah, let's force him out. Okay, he's yelling the whole way. No, no, no! no. Right, you dirty humans! Dirty humans! Neither of us are humans, you stupid goblin. Dirty humans. Cast a couple more sacred flames, and I take up the rear and we head out. <laughs> I love the the idea of Imran just walking along, casting sacred flame in all different directions. <laughs> he's still he's still caterwauling. He's just no, dirty humans, don't leave me. No, let me go back. Can we knock him out? I'm kind of thinking the same him. thing. Or gag him at the very least. Right. I'm not using my kerchief uh, to do that. You know, you have to go back up that long passageway, and then you're going to mm-hmm. end up in the other room with the altar and the lens. Yeah. Are you gonna? You're gonna gag him then? So yeah. you don't have to listen yeah. to him. Yeah, I don't listen to him all the way back. <laughs> okay. As we're passing mm-hmm. the altar on like the 
middle room, not the one we were in, mm-hmm. but the one we passed coming Wait. out. What'd you say? We need to gag him before getting to that room. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of that. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, either gag him or just actually knock him out because uh, I don't want him in that magical room. Um, Which one? Yeah, I'm just going to tear a piece of my cloak, like a long piece of cloth, and just try to shove it in his mouth and tie it in the back. At least so he's muffled. Uh, you want to roll me a slide of hand check? I can try. Did we do anything? We just ignored the floating... Uh, oh, yeah. Do we want to take lens. that? Oh, You're not back in that room yet, so... That's... Yeah, no, but I meant when we went down, did we do... We just left it floating there. And we did. left it floating there. Yep. Okay. Um, it was a two minus one, so not a natural one, okay. but... Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you gag him pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then you get okay. to the place where you're about to enter that other room. And you open that door. And when Marcel steps into that room, the amethyst amulet <laughs> starts glowing. And the lens, you know, it was giving off a blue light. Now it's giving off an amethyst one. Um, hmm. Marcel, what did you do? We could see words when it was when the light was in our shadows. Mm-hmm. Does someone that's not with the amulet want to try <laughs> casting a shadow? <laughs> I'm still hiding behind the 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 altar. Basically, is in the way when we come up, right? Uh, I mean, sort of. It's it, it moved aside and then opened the the hole in the. To- no, remember you had to mo- you had to uh, put braziers mm-hmm. into those spots, and then the um the secret door, the sort of frame of the secret door, became visible. What and- secret door was it behind the like between the altar like? And the yeah, so the the altar was about ten feet in front of uh, seven to ten feet in front of the actual walls, and the two braziers were there. So when you put the two braziers, the doors kind of become visible and then slide out and back. So I can use the altar to like not be seen by the for the most part. Yes, it will not really cast. I mean, the altar is made of coral, so it has you know. Right, yeah. Empty, empty spots in it, but yes, for the most part, mm-hmm. it is uh, solid enough. Right. So I think I'm a, I can't remember, double check. Yeah, no, I'm a medium creature, but I'm like four feet, so ducking under mm-hmm. the altar is not too hard. Okay. So the lens light is still, it's still now emanating still, a, an amethyst light yeah. instead of a blue one. I mean, that's probably just because it's close to it. Mm-hmm. But when we came through here the first time, it showed something on the walls. Correct. When the light hit Konos, Konos's shadow was projected back onto the wall, and inside the shadow it said, Laralaka waits. 
Didn't it yep. do that to all of our shadows? A couple people, yeah. Yeah, Immerin was the only other person who tried that. Because so Ax- we... Axley was invisible. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think I I was... I, I pa- passed through it as well. Um, well, what happened was, remember... Uh, Everybody was saying, oh, it says Laralac here, and then you all said, you know, you said the actual activation phrase. So it stopped doing that, and it showed you the vision. Right. So does anyone want to cast a shadow and see what it says now, like if it's changed? Walk out to the light. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm ready to leave. <laughs> good. Yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll walk through it. You're going to walk through and let the shadow hit you? Or let the light hit you? Yes. Okay. Uh, it also now, it projects something on the wall. But it does not say Laralac awaits. It says, Vade Mecum Omnia. Why well, recognize that phrase? Come with us all. Right? Go with me all. That's what it is. Um... I'm not saying that out loud. <laughs> You're not. Okay. But the goblin. Oh my god. Who was leading? Konos was leading it. I was leading him, yeah. Moves oh, his god. head just enough to make the uh the 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 cloth the, spell? the yep. cloth loosen. Yep. And the goblin says Vade Meek Omnia. What's Axley doing? Uh, if I can't catch him, it's too late. But well, what are you going to do? Cast sleep on him. <laughs> Go ahead and cast sleep. This is going to be it because I'm still holding him. <laughs> yep. Oh, you're going to make him fall asleep. Actually, I'm Elvin. Oh yeah, you yep. can't. Fall Magic cannot put me to sleep. There you go. Oh, good. <laughs> Then you're not taking up eight hit points of the sleep spell. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a five d eight, right, or something like that. Let's see, it says uh, at higher levels when you cast a spell, I'll cast it using a second level slot so that I can get an additional two d eight. So that gives me a total of five d eight plus two d eight, so seven d eight. Roll high. <laughs> I hope you put the like casting area so that it doesn't hit the rest of us. No, I think I just cast a, a target, right? Or is it a? It's an no, area. It's an area. It's an area. See, it's an area. It's a pretty mm. big area. Is that a twenty? Okay, yeah, twenty feet of a point. <laughs> Basically, where everyone is standing. I mean, Konos uh, and the goblin went out first, so you could probably target just Konos and the goblin. Well, you're hiding behind the... Yeah, but we were all, like, hesitating because of the light, and then Konos walked out. Oh, I think Amarin walked out, too. I walked out <laughs> as well. Okay. So what'd you get? Okay, well, um, I haven't rolled, so I need you guys to total it up, because I only have one die. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So keep a tally for me here. First roll, four, two, four, two. Twelve. <laughs> Twelve. One. Thirteen. How many rolls is that? That's five. five. Yeah, six. Nineteen. And five. 
24. So that's all, right? Seven. Uh, he falls asleep, just passes out. Before or after he spoke? He spoke the words. <laughs> so I guess we find out what happens now. Bad, not good. Don't like. Well, we is, the it, is this classical arcane or or ecclesiastical arcane? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the thing is that he's a sort of dumb goblin, so he did not pronounce. He definitely did not pronounce that right. <laughs> it correctly, so it did not activate anything. But now he's asleep. Okay. All right. That's almost better. <laughs> I'm going to sling him over my shoulder. And do we want to take this thing? Or are we just, we're coming back. Take what? The goblin? No. The, the lens. lens. I mean, as well, long as it was it difficult to remove. Like, the, remove the last one. Didn't you have to, like, yeah. fight it? We had to cast a spell that then went haywire and almost yeah. hurt all of us. Yeah. I cast shocking grasp on it and I still have the freaking yeah. scar from that. I'm not yeah. doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say yeah, we, I see come we just back. Yeah. Just out of yeah. curiosity, I'm going to peek over the edge of the uh, altar when it's like not facing me and I'm just going to go stop. <laughs> it stops. Fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we can at least get through here without it going in circles. I'm going to point at it again and say deactivate. I was thinking the exact same thing. Nice. <laughs> it does not deactivate. Damn it. I mean, the light stays on. It stopped yeah. moving. Off. Shut down! <laughs> I'm just going to sit here yelling at it. Turn off. Nope. Sleep. <laughs> None of that can works. Can I, with the goblin slung over one shoulder, can I just reach out and tug on it and see if it gives? Uh, you can touch it, and um, it feels like it's held in place. You're going to have to put a little more strength into it to dislodge it, it feels like. Do you want me to try and pull it? I mean, once it gets off, it deactivates at the very least. So I just suck at strength. So I decided to shocking grasp it to deactivate it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pull on it. I'll see if I can dislodge it. Okay. Can, okay. I, can I help with this? Sure. Roll me a strength check uh, with advantage. To, to be fair, we were in kind of a hurry last time because it was activated. Yeah. Um... Strength is not great. Um, 13. That's with advantage, right? Yes. You pull it off of its imaginary pedestal. Okay. So I got a goblin and a lens. (laughs) Does the lens light flicker off? Yes. Okay. I'll carry the lens. Please. But your amulet is still shining. Oh, this thing is glowing? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Curious. <laughs> All right. Lead the way, your highness. <laughs> Allah, lead the way. Yeah, are you royal born? Is that what, what, what was implied? 
Well, now that the goblin's out, I kind of so- well, look from what I know, and this is just me conjecturing. The sword, you know, the one that dances around and does all those shiny stuff. Yeah, uh, it's only supposed to work for Lutranian royalty. So the fact that it activates when I do the thing means I'm from the royal bloodline. Do you, is there? Do you not know your past well enough to know if that could be true? I'm just a sailor. Are you? Were you orphaned, or why would you know who your parents were? I have no idea. I hadn't really thought of that. No, my parents are there. I didn't kill them. <laughs> <laughs> That's out of character. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give him a tragic backstory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, does does the Latrinians now have like a royalty guided? They have more like tribes with like a leader, right? Correct. Yeah, like we haven't really bothered with royalty in a while. In many, and you have to remember many generations. Yeah, we're not very long-lived as a as as a species, and like it's been generations since we've bothered with all that king stuff. So, eh, <laughs> I don't know why we haven't, but it didn't doesn't really matter anymore because we're we don't really have like a king or queen. So, but yeah, the sword is is. Is, uh, you hear you hear Bolum say, "You do now." Ortog <laughs> <sighs> is probably like, "What the crap are these people doing?" Blood doesn't lie. I, the sword is known as the sword of the first ancestor, which means I'm a direct descendant of the first clan of Lutrians. That's basically what it comes down to. What that means for, I don't know. Uh, Interesting. I also happen to be born with apparently Tempest magic, so that's probably because of the bloodline. Who knows? I mean, I've learned my magic just by doing it. No one taught me. Well, we can explore this topic a little more once we're above ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's a good idea. Yeah, a bit of a walk back. <laughs> Might as well make some conversation. Sure. All right, I guess I start up the stairs. Okay. Uh, you make it out of the temple with no problem. Okay. Um, do we see our guide in sight? Yes, Jubo is across the field of mud puddles. Got the goblin slung over my shoulder anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do with the lens? I was carrying it. Okay. Dude, Konos. We're just going to collect lenses now. I guess. <laughs> you make you a really, to do with them. really large pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a bunch of monocles in case we ever run into a beholder. Say, here you go. Please don't disintegrate us. <laughs> Is the lens like just clear crystal once it's pulled off its imaginary pedestal? Uh, no, it looks blue. It has a blue tint. Oh, a blue tint. Yeah. So it's not like a purpley amethyst. Tint. Right. And the first one has like a yellowish tint. Amber colored tint. Huh. And this one showed us the whole blue plateau army. Mm-hmm. Curious. 
but we also never figured out what would happen if we said the other phrase. So there's still yeah. something about it we don't know. I'd rather not know what happens when you do that. <laughs> I'd rather not. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> our our new um, Haka friend is with us, right? Yes. Taza. So we'll wave at our uh, guide. Go well. For the time being, we've kind of sort of dealt with things down there. It's going to need a lot of cleanup, and I'm not sure exactly how much has changed. But your mud pit's still boiling. We found some eggs. They weren't cracked. And we found a bunch of goblins who were making a mess of the place and dealt with them. Kind of slumped it off my shoulder and (laughs) kind of... Gently, you don't want to wake up. Yeah, not like, (laughs) but I just cut it down on the ground. (laughs) And you found a haka. He's a shaman from another clan. He does the sort of welcoming hand gestures to the other haka, and they exchange whatever welcoming hand (laughs) hand gestures. You know that they get they did a similar thing with you when when you first came. Onto the island. Um, uh, Jubo, was... So in that boiling mud... Yes. That boiling mud is where you lay your eggs, correct? No. We, we lay the eggs outside and put them in after and treatment. Put them in. Yes. Was there always a bluish-purple coral altar in the middle of it? No. Okay. No, it's just our incubation pit. Okay. We're gonna how, long, how long can the eggs survive? How long are they can they be hatched after they've been put in the They in- incubate for ninety days. So these eggs that are in there are long dead, sterile, they're not gonna hatch? Probably not. It's been a while since we've been able to get in there and put fresh eggs and and treat them. We don't we don't just lay them and leave them. We have to turn them and take care of them. Um. So we also found in those pits a couple of uh, different sorts of bodies. Um, a lot of what do you mean? A lot of blue goblin bodies. Uh, but also crabs like that. Like and he point he points down to where you put the other goblin. Yeah, on the ground, just yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, at this point, we're also probably carrying the body of the other dead goblin. Oh yeah, that's right. The mud servant yeah. brought that one up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but because it only um, had ten minutes left, so yeah, it might take some cleanup. Um, and I don't think we're done because that altar is still there, and I don't think it's friendly. Oh, it's definitely not friendly. What What and do you mean the altar is not friendly? It. What has happened to it? Has it been desecrated? Well, I don't think it was an <laughs> altar to begin with. Somebody yes. else can explain it because I don't. I've never saw whatever you guys were talking about. Yeah. You're talking there, about the the goblins apparently managed to. We think they trapped some kind of creature, dog-like creature, inside of it, and it wants to be released, but it probably shouldn't be there. Well, you they, said you didn't have an altar 
floating above your pit. So that one's not your altar. It's their altar. We just have to get rid of it. The problem is it's not really an altar. It's like a dog with spikes and it's really angry and keeps howling. I think you all need to rest. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Uh, All of this is very confusing. You, you, You will have to tell the chief. Oh, don't worry. It's confusing for us too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're still wrapping our hands around it. Did the amulet stop glowing when we left? Nope. Oh, great. I'm just going to shove it in my... <laughs> <laughs> I figured you covered it up after yeah. you saw that it was... I'm just peeking at the snowblower. <laughs> <laughs> Looking down your shirt every two minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Jubo says, let, let us go. It is it is near time for mid-meal. We, we, can, we can rest. You know, for some reason, I'm not that hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Must be all the mud. Huh. Where was this one? He points and at the, the hawker. Altar. They were Change. trying to sacrifice him. Yeah. They were conducting some kind of ritual to open a portal or gate somewhere to some place. He is not they were using they were using him as part of it. He's not from our tribe. He's from the Cliff Runner tribe. He's refusing to speak to me. He can't speak. They removed his tongue. Uh, you could see the horrified look in his face. He was a shaman, so I'm guessing they had to make sure he couldn't cast magic. That is horrific. Yes. I wonder if there's something our chief can do. Let's go back to the village. Okay. So he leads you you back. Uh, It takes quite a bit longer than it took to get there because you don't get to ride the wave on the way back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Are we carrying the dead body as well? I'm assuming so. Unless you left it there. I have the sleeping one. Yeah, you have the sleeping one. I mean, Konos can carry the other body. Yeah. How big is the lens? It's about a foot in diameter. Okay, so I could carry the lens. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have the other one in your pack. I don't know if we want to put them together. If I have a bag of holding, I can put it inside. Have it. I feel like I would have left it on the ship. Okay. Better. Then you left it I'm on not, the ship. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's big enough that I don't think I would want to carry it in the pack while we're going. Okay. Just in case it cracks or something. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have left it on the ship. Okay. But yeah, I'll carry this one um, back to the. Probably hand it off to Axley at some point, being like, "Your turn." <laughs> <laughs> okay. The two small ones. <laughs> uh so you get back to town and the whole entire uh all of the haka are lined up sort of in the about a half a mile, maybe a quarter mile from the village. You know, the path changes a little bit and you see Haka lined up in single file lines on either side of the pathway waiting for you to come back. And as you come back, they are reaching out to touch you as you pass by. 
almost like a offering a blessing almost. And they it's form just... a they form a pathway all the way to the main uh, the main building where the Hakka chief usually lives. And Jubo leads you right up there, and the translator is standing there next to the door. And the translator says, uh, we, we understand you were successful. Well, in part, but I don't think we're done. I think there's one more large entity we have to take care of before it's entirely safe for you to go back. But we need to rest up before that confrontation. The Hakka chief wants to see Konos. Okay. The rest of you are welcome to sit as well, if you choose. But not those. And she points, <laughs> like, to the goblin bodies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have a hut that would work well as a prison, we can leave the two bodies there. Uh, only asleep. She she points to the one of the uh, guards there, and he takes. He's now holding them. He's holding them by the scruff of their neck, <laughs> one in each hand, and he's kind of holding them out because he doesn't want to touch them. Uh, and he carries them off. Yeah, the tied one's alive. The other one's not. <laughs> and I also um, gesture to Taga. Um, this one needs food and water and rest as well. She nods and says something to him in Hakka. And he acknowledges her words, but of course doesn't say anything. He may need some extensive healing from what they were doing to him. He is not of our tribe. Uh, our clan is not familiar with his, but we will care for him. Those goblins, and I like gesture to the where they took the goblins, apparently teleported him to this island. I see. So I pro I think he doesn't even know where he is in terms of where his clan is from. Ah. That is unfortunate. I think we can return him home. It might be a long voyage. That's assuming his clan still exists. Ah. Yes, that is. I was going to say, why are they taking Hakka from other clans? Wouldn't it be, and excuse me if this sounds a little morbid, but wouldn't it be a little easier to just... Wait a sec. Does the Mud Spinner clan have, Mud Swimmer clan have a... Uh, shaman? Shaman? Yes. It is me, the translator says. Okay. And you can do magic. Well, n not magic in the sense that you mean, that you do, but yes. So that doesn't even make sense, because my suggestion was maybe they need the shamans of different clans, because he was a shaman of his clan. Uh, roll me a history check. Um, just Marcel. Um... With 18. advantage. 18. Uh, you remember seeing the Cliff Runner clan in that book? That Greenblood's mm. book that you 
saw the listing of the five different Hakka clans, the Cliffrunner clan was listed there. And did it say how many Hakka the, that clan had? 200. And they're actively and mud- breeding. But they just told us that they have never heard of this clan before. Right. Well, they have not, not in this area. Uh-huh. She didn't say they haven't heard it. She said they're unfamiliar. Right. Okay. Well, I have... It might be that he comes from a clan that is actually able to reproduce. That may be of help for your clan if we don't manage to get your incubation area back to functioning conditions. I see. So it's not, you don't think that it will be ready to use again? I don't know. There's a lot of dead bodies in that pit, and I don't know how that would affect. um, There's possibly thousands of dead bodies in there, and that's probably why you cannot properly fertilize your eggs in there. It just reeks of death. I don't understand. How did thousands of dead bodies get into our incubation chamber? They've been using, and I point again at the goblins, they've been using it as a ritual place for nefarious deeds. I will have to start preparing a cleansing ritual. Um, The chief will see you. Okay, let's go. Uh, So you get led back to the receiving room, I guess would be the best word for it. And uh, it just really has the chief Hakka there with uh, one other Hakka. And then, of course, the translator came in with you. And there's various comfortable chairs sitting around, and he invites you with a motion to sit. I'll sit down. Flop down. (laughs) (laughs) Very royal-like. Give a side-eye to Marcel as I sit down. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long day. You guys have made me walk there, walk back. I've got... Tiny legs. <laughs> uh, so the the chief looks at Konos and says, I have met with the council of elders and we have discussed the prophecies and our interpretations of them. And... We have decided that in order to properly adjust our interpretations, we need to know where your coral piece came from. Um, I will tell him basically the story of the tale of how I found it and where it was when I found it. It was basically in the hold of a sunken vessel in in a, among some sunken reefs, and it was about eight months ago, and, and just kind of really the whole, the whole tale of this. And you can draw a map for us? Yes, I can. And was there more than that one piece? That's the only piece I found. And you feel like it has a larger piece that goes with it? Or it's part, it's part of a larger piece somewhere, yes. When we, were in, when we were in the temple, 
um, when we were in the temple and you're in communion grounds, and you know, there was there was this coral altar, and I felt like there was a pulling. Describe it. The the little piece basically was pulling, trying to pull itself towards the larger the larger the larger piece that was there. But this is something that the goblins created. Was that the one in the mud pit? With the mud pit, it, yeah. I the one with it was, the, so it's not the one in the other room, the one the one with the lens? Because there was an altar there, too, a little coral one. Yeah, and then there was one in the main room, but I'm talking about the one in the actual mud pit room. Because that's the one I felt the strongest pulling, well, an actual pulling towards. But that one's not even coral, really. Right, it's something that was somehow transformed into coral, and yet there's still the connection pretty strong one if you took damage when we hit it when Emery hit it right yeah that punted you into the mud mm-hmm. do you tell him that you took damage when Emery hit it i just the, mentioned it yeah. you said it out loud we were trying in in trying to free the in trying to free the captured shaman there was a moment when it was inadvertently damaged and i felt pain as a result um that is down in our incubation chamber. Yes. Right on top of it. On, up to, on top of the boiling pit. I do not understand. We did not put our altar down there. Well, there was an altar, another coral altar in the room above it. And that we did not disturb. We can draw on the dirt, the plans of it for the temple, so we can, he can show us which room he's familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I take out my journal and I start to sketch kind of where we went and the directions we took. Um, And I do point out that, you know, I, we think that the, we saw three altars, one at the top floor, one in the middle, one at the bottom, the one at the bottom, we don't think is something that you put there. That's something that's a construct that the goblins lair lack whoever's behind this is, has put there and it is not benevolent. So the Hakka chief says, when you returned, I was prepared to offer you membership in our tribe as an honor for protecting us and, and helping us clean our temple out but I have to change my decision now. I think that instead of offering you membership in the tribe and recognition as tribal members and treatment as true Hakka, I must resign my chiefdom and present my ruling scepter to Konos. To me, and he sort of takes he takes off a necklace that he had on, and he takes uh, this basically a almost like a foot long stick, and it has lots of different carvings and symbols in it, and he holds it out to you, and he says, "This is required of me because I think that you are the true master of the coral." And that's where we're going to end. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anyone else in this little group of merry friends that isn't royalty? <laughs> well, 
restaurant, actually. <laughs> I would rather pay them a butt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in some places, merchant families are like royalty. Right, Emran? Sure. <laughs> well, actually hasn't uh, really used his magic weapon very much yet, and he has not told you anything about it. So for all you know, he is royalty, and he just hasn't yeah, told you. I know. <laughs> We're having a conversation. A sword doesn't make you royal. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Marcel tried to say, too. We have some topics on our debrief list. Uh, which one did we go through last time? Concentration? Nope, we did... No, uh, the DM... Yep, and and monster creation. We talked about monster creation. Right. So we have concentration, adjustments, yeah. prophecy and game settings, healing mechanics, short versus long rest, and revisiting theater of the mind. Uh, Matt also suggested uh, using spells versus using potions or other consumables. Right. As part of the whole healing resource management. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I have a question about prophecy, because that's an interesting subject, especially considering, you know, kind of where we're at in the game. <laughs> so and just a question for the for from a GM perspective, right? So you 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 start with this premise where you have a prophecy or mm-hmm. a general framework of kind of what's going on behind the scenes, right? And how maybe we all tie into it. Mm-hmm. But it gets revealed piecemeal, little bits and parts get revealed, and it's always this kind of nebulous thing where it's a mystery with a big reveal at the end at some mm-hmm. point, I would imagine. How firm are you? How do you stick to the prophecy? Because it gives you a lot of opportunity to kind of, since it's not really identified to the players, as long as it hasn't been revealed, you can continually change your plan depending on what the players do. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it can be quite a storytelling element that you can modify on the fly, depending on what the interests of the players and, and what they do from a role-playing standpoint. Yeah, so um, the way I do it, so the great thing about prophecy, the reason prophecy and... and uh, Prophecy is, is a better word than, say, prediction or something like that, because prophecy is inherently fallible, right? It's inherently... Uh, prophecy is usually in fantasy worlds, at least in my fantasy world. Um, those are things that are... They come from the historic teachings of a particular people or a particular religious sect, or you know, they they come from uh, the the knowledgeable ones, the, the knowledgeable members of a particular society. But prophecies, by definition, are open to interpretation multiple different ways, yeah. and. Well, so yeah. So what that means is, so so here's the thing: is I have the prophecies written down, um, and I don't change the wording of the prophecies. I mean, they they just are what they are. What I do is respond as the NPCs in the world to the characters' actions, and in this particular case, it makes the Haka question their entire interpretation of the. Of, of everything that they've known because they were interpreting it in one particular way. And, and in fact, two, two different prophecies they were interpreting in one particular way. And 
you all showing up matched their interpretation. So they thought it would uh, lead to a particular outcome. And then that outcome is not what happened, at least not, it's not immediately obvious to the Hakka. So that leads them to think that maybe they need to change their interpretation, but that actually, you know, that's, that's problematic in itself, right? For a, a group of people, right? Anytime you say, Hey, let's take this, this text that you've been using as a sort of foundational document for generations and let's change how we interpret it all of the sudden, right? You can change how you interpret it over many generations maybe, and not have as, as big of a upheaval. But if you change it all of a sudden, now it has a huge upheaval because the the consequences of that now are unforeseen, right? Um, so anyway, so the way I run prophecies is I write the prophecy down. In fact, uh, if you guys ever make it to <laughs> Calport and to the library, you're going to run across a couple of prophecies, and you will have them because I will tell them. I will tell you what they are. So you'll have the actual text, and then you'll be responsible for trying to interpret them and react based on what you're right. Um, so I don't change the prophecy. I make the prophecy. I say, "Oh, this group of people had this prophecy, and they interpret it this way." And then inevitably, the party is going to change that, or events in the world are going to change that particular way that 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 group of people sees that prophecy um but so so that's the one side that's the side of you know how do you deal with the prophecy but the the other side of the coin also is you know when i'm running a game i don't necessarily like that prophecy is a guiding document right it's it's not a planned like, well, this has to happen, then this has to happen, then this has to happen, and I have to make that prophecy come true in the game, otherwise it all falls apart. Like, that's not how I plan my games. I plan my games with some events and some NPCs and uh, some major big bads, and they have motivations, and they're trying to get their stuff done, just like you're trying to get your stuff done, and ultimately you end up crossing paths because you're trying to stop the big bad from achieving whatever their motivation is. But I don't plan, like I don't, I don't plan every single thing. So for example, the um, altar tonight that had the howler in it. Yeah. Right. I didn't know that was going to happen. Right. Right. It just happened. And so now we all have to deal with the consequences of that, right? <laughs> so yep. for me as the GM, I have to make it make sense, right? And it does make sense. I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have made it happen if it didn't make sense. Like it just, but it came to my mind as everything was happening. I'm like, oh well, that might be an interesting thing that they'll have to deal with. So there it is. Now it's now it exists. But you know, I didn't. I didn't plan it before this session and say, oh, I'm going to make that altar do this thing. Like I knew the altar was going to be important. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Uh, So I think that's one of my favorite things about being a DM in a homebrew campaign where you have certain nebulous ideas in terms of what the story's happening and everything and like Mm -hmm. the major set pieces. But other than that, you're reacting in the moment as much as the characters are, Mm -hmm. as as much as the players are on the other end. So it's like, oh, this suddenly makes sense for it to happen. It wasn't planned, but if it makes sense, then that's what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah makes sense if it fits with what's been developing yeah mm-hmm. i've i like the i think the hard part of a prophecy is crafting it 
Because as a DM, like you're not grabbing this prophecy from somewhere and using it. You're creating it from scratch Mm -hmm. and giving it both knowing more or less what it wants to do, but also giving it that vagueness that can give it enough leeway so that if the characters go, hey, maybe this is what it means, you can go like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that yeah. that's just the nature of prophecy and storytelling and literature. I mean, it's always, it's, it's, like it's it's it seems like sturdy and solid, but it's always enough vagueness in there that it can be interpreted in multiple different ways and just drive a story in multiple different directions as a result. I think that's like the fun part of the DMs thing of like creating this thing that they're not entirely sure what it does or what it means, but then the players come along and dissect it and start thinking on it so much that you end up with like a few ideas that you can collate and like start thinking of your own. Like it happened to me on my first campaign. Um, I gave my party something I found off of the internet. I didn't design myself, but a, a magic circle that they had to use. And the person playing the smart one of the party spent two weeks figuring out what the circle meant <laughs> in the context of where they were as as a as a party and made the circle make sense for the ritual that they had to cast. Right. Right. And I was like, well that was a load off of my shoulders. <laughs> Always great when the players yeah. do the heavy lifting for you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> there was a game I ran one time. It was uh it was D D, but it was basic D D and it was a murder mystery type thing where the the party had run across this particular incident and somebody had been killed and then they spent, you know, several sessions trying to figure out well, who murdered this person. And so I had set it up where, you know, it could possibly be one of these four people. And that if, depending on where they went to pick up clues, they would pick up these clues. And I had decided, well, it's going to be this person, person C, right? Because there's A, B, C, D possibilities. And that I was going to put all these clues in. And some of the clues, of course, would be red herrings or would be actually false things, like a false witness or something. And the party, the, the players went through and they got really excited and they really like grabbed onto a couple of the clues that didn't really make sense. But they thought, oh, but this is D&D, so it's a fantasy world. So we're going to make it make sense. And... In the end, I ended up letting that person that they were convinced was the murderer, I let them, I let them, I changed what I thought was going to happen because I, I wanted them to feel like they succeeded. I didn't want them to feel stupid. So when they put all the clues together and they marched into the constable's office and they said, here's everything we know, we, we, you know, we investigated this and we think it's this person for this reason and this reason, and this reason. And then we saw this and this person saw that and they did this thing over here and so-and-so said this. And so I had the NPC that was the constable agree. They were convinced that the players, you know, that the PCs had found all this evidence and it didn't matter whether it was actually part of my plan in the beginning or not the players had their PCs go and, and, you know, do the work of trying to find all these clues. And then they put them together and presented them. So that was the truth of the campaign. Now, Um, regardless of what, you know, what I initially thought, Oh, it's going to be this person here, you know? Um, So sometimes that happens, right. Where it's impossible to know exactly what clues people are going to latch onto. 
and what's going to become important in a in a campaign. I, I ran this campaign one time where the party was in this haunted house type place, and they found a golden skull, like a like a gilded human skull, and they spent like three sessions in that house, almost in that same exact room, just trying to figure out why that skull is there. <laughs> and it's like, so that skull then, which was really just a throwaway piece of, you know, treasure that they could have cashed in for a lot of gold pieces. Now that skull had to take on some significance because as players, something about it, either the way I described it or where it was or just something about it, they just thought, oh, that must be really important. So, you know, by the time the second session came along and they were still obsessing about the thing, I was ready with a whole bunch of interesting facts that they could learn about it now because <laughs> they decided it was important enough. And that speaks to like player agency and honoring the kind of the direction they want to they want to take things. Did anybody watch the Critical Role the Undeadwood miniseries they did a few weeks mm-hmm. ago? No. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. I actually did. What what did you what did you think of the end of that um when um are you going to give spoilers? We'll put a yeah, big old spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler players, alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Two players at one point decide to have a have a a duel. Um, okay, that's all I'll say about. But a third player basically says, "Can I try to intervene?" And the DM says, "Thinks about it for a good long time and says, no, you cannot.'" Hmm. And all literally they said verbatim, "No, you cannot." Didn't didn't really give an in game explanation of why. They potentially why the situation wouldn't allow them to, mm-hmm. uh, but just said no. So yeah, Nina, what did you think about that? Would you think that was handled well or or? I or no? I couldn't decide about it because it kind of surprised me, mm-hmm. but I also think it's important for like characters to have like their moment, mm-hmm. even if one of the other characters doesn't want that. Um, so I liked it in that regard, but at the same time, then you have to kind of consider that other person that really wanted, like, didn't want this to happen. Yeah. Is that what they were trying to stop it? Yeah, they were trying to stop him from, they, they, they they wanted to sneak, try to sneak up and knock some, knock one of them out. Like hit him on the head with a beer bottle, basically. I've, I've had that situation in where, like, two players are basically trying to stop some, another player's agency. And it's a tough call because, um... In, in that same first group of mine, I had one character who was playing the typical rogue. So she had the tendency to, every time the party stopped to try and plan out what they were going to do next, five minutes into the discussion, she would go, either whisper to me or just say out loud, I hide and walk away. Hmm. And every single time, what would happen is the person playing the paladin would go, can I roll perception to see if I notice this? Because I am keeping an eye on this rogue character that likes sneaking off. And he had an insanely high wisdom, so he would always spot her <laughs> and stop her. And she was getting really frustrated. So yeah, initially she would say it out loud. Eventually she was getting so frustrated that I ended up having to be like, if you're going to do that, tell it to me in a whisper so that the other player doesn't know roll your stealth check and I will compare it to his passive perception. Unless he has already stated that he is staring at you the whole time. I will let you sneak off. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's not fun. Like you're playing a character that likes sneaking off and causing trouble. 
like, sure, it can screw the party over, but I don't want to stop your fun either just because someone else in the party wants to stop you from doing it every single time. So it's a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult call there. Cause like, yeah, I've had it happen as well. that Like two players want to like their characters want to duke it out and someone tries to stop them. I, I generally let the dice decide if they stop them or not, instead of just going out right. No, you can't. Yeah. And the DM was later posting on Reddit and basically said, you know, that's a decision I'll probably be rethinking or re-examining for quite some time. Yeah. Did it cause tension at that moment? Like, was there some hard feelings and some... Nothing that was visible in the game. Oh, okay. And they're, they're all pretty good actors, so yeah. they'll take it in stride. Well, yeah, and they're also... Their, their, number, their first loyalty is they're creating a TV show for entertainment. They're not there for themselves. So they're deferring to the GM to run the story for the audience. Right. It's a question of basically where does the GM want, where yeah. can the GM basically put the spotlight? And anyways, he also said, you know, yeah. he, 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 he also acknowledged he could have just easily have said, you know, in this moment, everybody is watching you. It probably would, it just wouldn't be possible, possible for you to, to do that rather than just simply saying, no, you can't. And that would have been mm-hmm. probably a, fees- a a good way to just, that would have been a better way to say, no, you can't, rather than just saying, no, you can't. I mean, interpersonal problems when it comes to blows can also be a tricky situation. Like I already had it happen once that someone was like, no, because they didn't like what one of the characters was doing. And they went just, I'm going to bop them on the head. And I usually go like, sure, like roll for it. I mean, fine. But they decided to use a cantrip mm-hmm. plus their hit. And she ended up taking a lot of damage because it was a low level game. And she came to me afterwards and being like, I didn't like that. I didn't like having my character attacked by someone who's supposedly part of the group so badly that my character nearly died. Yeah. She got knocked out. That's, that's really hard. You know, there, there's a, so player agency from, you know, from the DM to the, to the players, not, not player to player, player agency, but just from the DM to players, you know, there's an idea there's the idea in sort of comes almost from improvisation of when the player says they want to do something or they want their PC to do something, you, you should be saying yes. And right. Or yes. Right. Yes. Or yes. And, or if you have to say no, you should be saying no, but right. Like no, but I will allow this or no, but here's why or no, but right. So that you're giving some kind of compromise. Yeah. yeah, You're, you're, you're letting them know why you're not allowing them to exercise their agency, but from, from the player side of it, from just player versus player, like some of that, that sort of behavior for me, the way that I have to always, the, the way that I sort of historically deal with that is from the, from the very beginning up front when I talk about the campaign and I talk to the players, I generally put some ground rules in place, right? Like, okay, there is no player versus player. You you can create players or you can create PCs that have differences of opinion and differences of the way that they think it's the right way to go about accomplishing a goal. But you don't get to fight each other. That's not what any no. game I run is going to be about. It, it Usually that's not the way the games I run are structured. So I expect every person to have a PC who has a reason to stay with the group. 
mm-hmm. even if they have differences. Like generally, that's an expectation that has to be laid out at the beginning. And if it's not, and then you have a situation where a player is being aggressive toward another player, like that that's real that's a rough situation. That's hard to deal with. Yeah, because there's 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 storytelling, like there's actions that are that are role playing and they're in the furtherance. They may cause tension in the group. Like there are certain actions, like for example, like in tonight's session, right? Marcel putting the necklace on might have been a contrary action, which could be harmful. It's impulsive and could be harmful to the group. It could have repercussions, right? But it still falls within the framework of the the characters, the the relationships. It's still kind of tense, but it could have repercussions that play out mm-hmm. within the game. But if you have a player who routinely does very destructive things like that. I mean, because not all characters are created equal either. Like it can be bullying. If you've got a very strong character that can overpower everybody else because they're like a hefty fighter, it's 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 bullying to basically use that leverage and that weight physically against another character all the time to get your way or to diminish them or to force your will on that other player. That's not that's not a cohesive game environment. When you've got a loose cannon player that does that, then you have to start addressing whether that's going to be self-destructive to your gaming group and whether that's going to go forward or if you have that one player that just says well that's what my character would do then the dm's response is okay well here's what the guards are going to be doing when they see you (laughs) doing that when they catch you at it yeah so the the in the case of a a player or a, a pc wanting to sneak off and do things that might uh that might not be good for the group that's the way that's sort of the way that i think of to deal with it like there should be in-game consequences for that right like well maybe you don't get caught the first or second time you sneak off and you know commit larceny uh but perhaps at some point someone's gonna see you and it might not be a guard it might it might be a rival thieves guild member or it might be a rival you know PC from a from a different party or something in the same town, or it might be you know whoever. There should be some consequences for that, but yeah, it's tough because if those consequences then start to create problems for the entire group, then hopefully by the time that that comes to fruition, the party is cohesive enough that they feel like they want to protect each other. And if another you know if a rival member, uh, a powerful rival thief or assassin from another thieves guild comes to you know confront one of the party members hopefully the rest of the party isn't going to be like yeah we're sick of her too let take her off you know let go ahead and do what you want with her i mean that's you know (laughs) that's that's actually what happened to this rogue of mine Um, (laughs) she ended up pissing off really early on one of the thieves guilds in the in the continent they were on and eventually that caught up to them and they sent assassins after her. Um, and despite the fact that she had, you know, she continued like sneaking off at points and usually to do what the party was thinking of doing, just not waiting for them to mm-hmm. react. Um, it was actually the paladin who saved her life from the assassins. <laughs> of course. And and months later, those two ended up in, in character marrying. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> Aww. Sweet. <laughs> yeah that was fun that's funny <laughs> well that's a good wrap up <laughs> so yes it can happen that the paladin and the rogue end up somehow getting along <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a there's a concept there that is is uh it's called closing the loop 
and it's the idea that as a player or as a GM, DM, um, when you introduce a story element that becomes important, like some sometimes as a GM you you introduce something and the players don't grab onto it, they don't they don't pay attention to it or they don't take notes or they they think it's inconsequential. So you kind of have to understand that you need to forget about those maybe and then you know, and then focus on the things that the, that the party is obviously actually interested in. But then there's this idea of when you do introduce something that, that has some importance, you need to be able to have a closure to the loop of information there. Like there has to be some kind of resolution ability, right? Or capability, I guess I should say. Uh, not everything might you know, it's really, it feels really satisfying to say, oh, everything is going to be resolved uh, to 100% functionality, you know, if, if that makes sense. Not everything needs to actually be resolved, but everything needs to be addressed, if that makes sense. So there needs to be a closure to that loop of information where if you heard about this event that occurred in the world that was supposedly so important that even though it was on a different continent, you heard about it. Well, there needs to be some effect that finds its way back to you about how you can learn how that was resolved, even if your party decided to have nothing to do with it, um, because otherwise the world doesn't seem like a living place. It's just a static place that nothing happens in until the party walks in. And that's not really realistic, right? You have to have a way to close the informational loop on everything, even the things that the party is not focused on at the moment, you know, they're, they're, it needs to feel like a living world. And part of making it feel like a living world is being able to resolve issues and resolve things and have consequences. My husband's DMing for me. He basically says, you know, you got the, the player, the party you're controlling, you can be doing all your own things, uh, your own agendas, your own missions. The rest of the world is still turning. Everybody mm -hmm. else in the world still has stuff they want to do too. Right. right. It is a living, breathing world. There is a strategy to GMing that 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 uh, I know several people who use. That they basically give the party three major options of things to deal with, and if you pick one, you might be able to do another one when you get done with that first one. But you'll never be able to do all three, which means either some some other adventuring group, some other group of heroes, has to resolve that third item, or no one resolves that third item, but it's that means it comes to fruition, and whoever the villain was in that particular event succeeded, and that has repercussions later. And that's that's sort of how they plan their game. It, they sort of have always three major things going on, and the party can get to one, maybe two of them, but never the third one. And the the player agency there is which one do you pick first? which determines what condition the second one that you're going to pick is in by the time you get to it. And also then picking the second one determines which one you can't get to. So the players are the ones choosing, but there's always like a cost to the choice, right? It's, it's like the trolley problem, right? If you're driving a trolley and you have to switch and you can go down one track or you can go down the other and down one track is uh, someone that you in, is you're related to or that you love or that's in your family and down the other track is a group of people. Well, which one do you go down? Do you kill the people you don't know or do you kill the person that you love? There's, n there's not a good choice there, right? That's a huge issue. It's an ethical dilemma that you cannot you cannot ethically resolve without causing a lot of trouble. Well, that's the same idea. If you get three choices, well, you can only resolve two of these issues and the third one's going to not get resolved no matter what. 
that's a little rough, you know? <laughs> it's rough. On the other hand, it does make for a living, breathing world with lots of villains. And some great uh, and some great uh, player debating, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, so uh, I think that'll wrap it up for us uh, for this episode of D&D Brief. So uh, is there anything anybody wants to encourage uh, anyone to go visit on the internet or go look at? Uh, Patreon.com slash Midgardia. I am uh, keeping up with the mapping. I've got Descent into Avernus and Dungeon of the Mad Mage maps that I am making pretty prettier versions for mostly virtual tabletop use so those people who prefer something more than the black and white versions Mm -hmm. that come with the books which are good for tabletop play but on the virtual tabletop side it's uh it's a bit bland yeah uh and those are free so you can go check them out and uh, use them for your own campaign awesome free stuff go look at it anybody else all right uh everybody say goodbye and we will check out for today Bye. bye